Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsport show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Welcome to Inside Groove 2020 style, our first show of uh, 2020, and happy to be back in the saddle again after uh, a few weeks break for the holidays and to try and get uh, reorganized from the holidays back here in North Carolina. You know who I am. I'm Tom Baker, and joining me on the show for uh, this segment is Camden Proud, the uh, 2019 Oswego Speedway, Super Modified, Rookie of the Year, and PR Director. Uh, Camden, uh, good to have you back, and uh, great to be great to be in 2020 and be anticipating uh, what we hope will be another great season at the Big O and in Super Modified Racing in general. Yes, very excited for this year. Happy New Year to everybody. Hard to believe it. I've made two shows in a row now. What do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope it becomes a habit again. Uh, we definitely like to have you uh, on the shows. <laughs> and uh, good that you've kept your feet planted on American soil long enough to do two shows in a row. Uh, <laughs> uh, I know you got to be busy, obviously, between the Speedway stuff and, and your own racing stuff preparing for the season but we're happy to have you back we've got a big show today we uh we managed to catch up with tyler thompson yesterday uh and tyler kind of got us up to speed from his perspective on what happened at the chili bowl on tuesday night everything we all saw i mean i heard a lot of complaints they uh they called i racing to fix the track after tuesday night but um I reckon there was nothing wrong with it for Tyler because he just went out and uh, gassed it and do, basically did Tyler Thompson things. Won his heat race and um, had some issues in the feature, but uh, he'll uh, he'll be fun to watch uh, on Saturday in the Alphabet Soup for sure. So we did get some, some audio with him that we'll um, play for you here in a, in a little while. And we also uh, caught up with... One of the legends of uh, the 70s and early 80s at Oswego, Mike Rizzo, is actually going to be uh, on the program today. And I got to tell you, I am so excited to uh, to bring this to you because Mike is just a great guy. And he was kind of a driver who I think everybody enjoyed seeing do well. I think Mike was always at least in in our minds, I think, viewed as kind of the underdog. Um, And we always loved it when when Mike ran well. And uh, he certainly had a colorful career. And it's it's great to be able to present to you him and his story. And we we definitely had some fun. So this is going to be... Uh, this is going to be a great show, and you know we hope that you all will enjoy it. We're going to start with uh, talking about the Speedway schedule, which uh, got released over the holidays, and uh, a new detail that we didn't know about when we uh, taped the last show in December. Um, Camden, we've we've got what uh, is it? Twelve races total on the schedule. Yeah, twelve races. Okay. Good. My mind is starting out in a good place in 2020. I actually got the number right. Um, <laughs> and, and that was with the addition of 
on Isma show on May 30th, which I actually, I feel like that's a great time to have an Isma show at Oswego. It's, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's Isma's opening race of the year. Um, yep, it'll be the Isma opener. So that feels right. And I feel like having them in May, as opposed to Classic Weekend, if there was to be only one date, I feel like having them in May kind of fits well because, again, it's their opener, so there should be a good car count. And it's early in the year, and it gives us right away a little bit of variety in the schedule itself. I really like it myself. I know there's some fans that are still upset, the the classic weekend ticket holders that like to buy the three-day pass and, and see the Isma cars on Saturday. So I know those people are disappointed, but I think right now, with the way everything's kind of gone down the last couple of years, this, this works out in the best interest of everybody. The fans, Isma, Oswego Speedway, it's an off week for the regular Super Modifieds, and I think we're going to bring some guys in. I think we're going to bring Otto Sitterly in, who – by the way, has a new Isma ride, and, and yeah. that's going to be very exciting to watch. So I think you'll get more cars. I think it may allow for more cars to attempt the 200 on Classic Weekend. So we'll just hope it's a positive change. Well, yeah, I mean, and look, it, it, is what, it is what it is. I mean, I think I said on one of the, the late shows last year, when Isma's schedule came out, I love the schedule they've got. It's New England-based. It should hopefully give them an opportunity to rebuild car count a little bit, stay close to home for the most of their schedule, run some wicked cool tracks up there. And coming to a swigger right off the bat to open the season feels like um, almost like, uh, I don't want to say a reconciliation, but almost like a resolution of the whole sort of awkwardness of, are we going to be on classic, not going to be on classic? Well, no, we're not going to be on classic weekend, but um we're actually going to open our season at the track. Let's let's be real here. Isma started at the Oswego Speedway. So to me, I feel like this is a cool thing. And as far as Classic Weekend goes, uh, we can get to that later. Um, I still think the Saturday portion of the show is going to be a lot of fun and well worth the Super Modified fans supporting it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a deal where I think we – the if the idea is to create more fans or you know to see more of a variety i think classic weekend brings it so i hope that the fans will still go and support saturday even if the isma supers are not on the card because um i think the way that you guys have revised the schedule is good and um you know i think it'll make for a great weekend but we'll get to that so uh you guys open, I think, uh, what, before uh, the the ISBA show. I think you run uh, opening day and the Jim Champagne Memorial and all that, and then the ISBA show is the week after, right? Right. We have practice on May 16th, and then the Champagne Memorial is on the 23rd. Okay, yeah. So you've got a couple of opportunities to see the Oswego Supers. Um, Champagne Memorial is always a, a great opener. And then the ISMA show comes in on the 30th, so... Uh, I feel like that kind of fills out May very nicely. Um, what is on the card with the Isma Super Modifieds? Just a small block supers. It'll kind of it'll kind of be like old times. It's been a couple years since we've had the Isma opener, and it had always been kind of a Isma headliner, and then the SBS on there is the support division. So 
I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the SBS guys will have an extra race, and we're also kind of bringing back the Jack Murphy Memorial. The, it was still the Murphy Memorial on Classic Weekend, but I think that whole title kind of got lost in the Super Nationals, so it's nice to honor Jack with a race as well. You know, it did, I feel like. You're exactly right, and I feel like in that sense, the race now has its own sort of meaning um jack was such a big part of the early days at oswego and such a big part of isma for years uh that uh i think that's totally appropriate so i i think that gives that race a signature much more so than just calling it the isma super nationals and uh yeah you know and look i i mean if if Isma can build itself back up or if we can get some more of the Oswego guys to start supporting some of the Isma races, then I see no reason why we couldn't put uh, an extra Isma show back on the schedule if everybody was in agreement and put them back on Classic Weekend at a later date. So I don't see this as being a negative thing at all. I no. see this as being a positive, and I see this as basically giving Isma the chance to headline and set itself apart. A little bit so hopefully uh, obviously the the isma folks will bring a good strong field of cars and you'll get some of our guys to to throw the wing on and go run um with uh, the isma tour on the week off i will <laughs> i hope we get a couple other people so um yeah i mean i, I think in the past when we've had an isma only weekend we've gotten support the can of lanes i wish i wish we could bring that back and, and fit that in somewhere um, I, I thought that that really attracted a lot of Oswego guys that that just wanted to to give it a try. A couple of different guys that you normally wouldn't see put a win on would put a win on for that show, and a couple of Oswego guys that have won that show, Bobby Bond and Otto Sitterly. I think it's got a good Oswego history. So, I mean, I wish we had two or three Isma races, and maybe that one could find its way back on the schedule, but. We'll see what will happen in the future, and I do think we'll have the support of some of our regular Oswego guys for sure. Well, see, I feel like this is, I think that to a degree, with the change that Oswego made for last year with the tail section being different, um, I think that set into motion kind of a, a bit of a reorganization or maybe reinvention of um, the super modified division in some ways because you did have some of the isma guys come and, and actually look fairly competitive but they really didn't keep coming um, but at the same time i think isma is going through its own sort of um, reinvention if you will and um, so you know i think now to just to have the one is probably better and everybody can focus on coming one time and putting yep. on a good show and then, you know, as if we can if we can just continue to work toward unity in the division somehow and get everybody close enough on the same page where the Oswego guys can maybe one other time or, you know, two other times throw the wing on and, and have a bit of a series, then I see no reason why that could be something everybody can work toward in the future. So um, I think it's a great way to, uh, I think May is going to be a fun month with the opener and then the Isma show. That's to me, that's awesome. And then we get into June. Talk about what's on the uh, schedule for June. You know, it's just, it's really special. I think what they're doing this year, because every 
show at Oswego Speedway is a special show, and I know that we've said that in the past, and it's and it's been that way really since John and Eric have taken the track over, but I think it is more true in 2020 than ever before. Um, we have the New York Superstock Series. They'll be there three times this season, and June 8th is the first of three appearances, including on Classic Weekend, and on Classic, they're going to be running 75 laps for the Dave London Memorial Race, which is also something I'm really excited about. I'm glad we're giving them 25 more laps. So June 8th, we're going to open up with our first Super Stock Series show, and we'll also have the Super Modifieds and the 350 Supers on the card. And that's just a Road to the Championship event. And the week after that, we dive right back into double features with Twin 35s for the Super Modifieds and the SBS on the card as well. So we get things started off with a bang in June, uh, to say the least. And on the 20th... We dive right back in with a 60-lap spring championship for the Novella Super Modifieds, and the Pathfinder Bank SBS will be on the card, too. And that's another kind of important thing, I guess you could say, about the schedule this year that I wanted to talk about is that we're having three kind of, I guess you could say, championship nights throughout the year, spring championship, summer championship, and then the track championship. And all three of those races will be 60 laps for the supers and that's something that hasn't been done in quite some time yeah see i like that they used to do it uh you know back in the day they used to do the uh i think well they call it i think it was well no i guess they did they had this they had kind of a, a spring championship type deal but then they would have the grand prix for the fourth the midsummer championship yep. and then the you know, obviously track championship night I don't know that the the championship night was ever uh, the actual track championship night. I don't remember that necessarily being extra distance, but um, <clears throat> but I love the way that I and I think sixty laps could be fun. It seems like it's kind of um, um, it is extra distance, and yet it's not to the you know to the point of competing with the Grand Prix or you know I think because I I like. I have all, I always like the Port City being at least seventy five to a hundred. I always like the Grand Prix being a hundred. I I love the um, kind of what I call in between races too. So sixty laps is kind of a fun thing, and I think that could be, and, and it sets those races apart uh, from you know your typical weekly show. I think it does too, and um, it's actually been since the sixtieth anniversary season that we had a sixty lap race. So it's it, it's been a while, like I said, and the the summer championship and the spring championship, as you mentioned, that's something they started way back in, yeah. I think, the 70s and yeah, 80s, 70s. and they brought yep. the title back. I think Danny Kay actually had a role in bringing those titles back when he worked here, but um, it was never extra distance until now again, so I really like that. I think it's pretty awesome, and I really like what's going on on July 4th, too. That's like a mini oh, classic yes. weekend halfway yes. through the year. That's just awesome. Yep. Yeah. See, I I love the fact that the um, the super stocks are coming a few times. Um, you know that that division. There's so many cars in that division, and and really, with especially we don't know what the future of Spencer Speedway is. Um, it's certainly in doubt at this point, at least for now, as far as I know. Um, you know, Lancaster and Holland. Um, are both tracks that have sort of had their share of uh, kind of topsy-turvy uh, stuff going on over the last couple of years. So we we don't yeah. really know, 
you know, what, the, what I'm getting at is these. that's a class, much like the Sport Mod class, that needs places to go race. And so Oswego, by bringing him in three times, um, I never thought, and I'm saying this just based on my own opinion at the time, I never thought they were appropriate for a weekly class, though I know some of the fans enjoyed them. Um, but I think having them come in, you know, three, four times a year could be great. Just like I think if we could get the sport mods to come in two, three times yeah. a year, it would be great. Um, Oswego seems to be, whether by design or just sort of by um, just evolution, um, Oswego seems to be moving toward a track that's more about special shows than it is about weekly regular racing and yes i know people cringe when they hear that specials only sort of thing but in this day and age i think you have to try to do what you can to make each show unique enough so you don't think you can afford to miss it you know, the fans, exactly, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Because if you have too many regular, just normal sort of weeks of racing, I think it becomes, well, I can take a break this week and go next week. Well, if you put a schedule out with 10 or 12 really big shows, then what happens is you now look at the schedule and you say, well, I think I can take, well, no, I can't. Doggone it. The super stocks are coming back. You know what I mean? Um, so you, you give everybody just enough of everything to keep them coming back. And, and I think that's really, I think there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of good reason for the schedule to be what it is. And from, you know, from a business standpoint and a marketing standpoint, Almost every race, as you said, this year starts to feel like it's pretty big. And that July 4th deal is a great example of what you just said. You called it a mini classic weekend or a preview of classic weekend. And that's exactly what it looks like. And, you know, I think it's going to be great. And I think you're I think the sport mod guys are going to turn out in droves. And I think it's going to be a fun show for people to watch. I think it will be, too. And I got to tell you, that sport mod class. I think that Evans Mills is the perfect place for it. I got to see him up yeah. there when oh, we sure. had the FCS yep. show, and it's it's been a renaissance up there, which is which is great to see. And um, you know, I think that it's a really good division. It's on the up and up right now. It's it's growing. Yep, the Race of Champions Sportsman Series is is doing really well. I think they're kind of thriving, and. Jody London just does a fantastic job. He really with, does. It's it's crazy how how many lap sponsors and contingencies he's been able to bring in for his dad's race. He's really passionate, and we already have twenty five cars that have let him know they plan on coming to a swiggle for that race. And wow, that's, that's fantastic. So that is amazing. That's yeah, and I would bet that you'll end up with thirty. I, I I've said so, yeah. from the start that I think you, you'll hit 30. Uh, and if not, you're going to be very close. And that's a great field of cars. When you get a touring event, any type of a, an, an event, whether it's a series or whatever, where you can you know, bring an outside division in and get 25 to 30 cars, that's a great turnout. Um, and uh, there there certainly seems to be a uh, a feeling of positivity among the drivers i've talked to a couple of them uh just on social media over the last few weeks and yeah. you know just 
th- over the moon to be able to come to Oswego and run. And so there again, you look at I, – I, I kind of forget about Evans Mills sometimes, but, you know, that's a good example of a track that's figured out a formula that they can – they can flourish with and you know there are i've i'm seeing a couple of instances uh down here now where um two tracks are working together to create a combined um combined sort of package for a certain series where um it may be combined points or you know that kind of thing and they're trying to make it so that it's one series that runs X amount of times at two tracks. And and I sure. could, I could see at some point, maybe a Swigo and Evans mills working together like that with a division like the sport mods and, and saying, look, let's create a, you know, create a deal that, you know, it's a combined point fund. We'll each run three races. And even if it's just sort of a series within, you know, that, that happens within the confines of the season and, and isn't obviously the only X amount of times that they run at each track. But I think I think you you could start to look at something like that, um, you know, and again, not take away from the regular super modified divisions, but just bring these classes in and get some new people involved, maybe some new sponsors involved for that sort of thing and and just make it work and i almost could see the same thing being done to be honest with the sbs division where you do you know x amount of races at oswego and x amount of races that at evans mills that are part of the whatever you call it you know um series (laughs) you know make just make up a name but it makes it, it 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 just anything to um you know, to get the racers to come out. The deal with the 350 class is tough. There, there are other considerations besides just Oswego. If, if, if the class, again, if the class had 20 Oswego cars, then maybe, you know, you're not as worried. But, you know, right now with trying to build the class, I totally understand why they're not on every show and why you would want to encourage our guys to go travel to star and vice versa, which, you know, we saw a few from, uh, from star that ran, you know, a good portion of the season last year. Uh, even if not always at the same time, you get one or two and then maybe a different one or two the following week or whatever. But, um, you know, I think that class still needs to grow a little more and people need to need to have the faith in what, what the groups involved are doing. Cause frankly, I feel like Oswego and Star and um, I I guess I will say Smack Tour as well because I don't know that they're necessarily all just a part of Star. Um, You've got three groups there, and each obviously needs to look out for their own piece of the the pie, but at the same time, everybody's trying to look out for the big picture. And I got to tell you, I think that the big block uh, super modified series and and groups could take a lesson from the way that these guys are actually these groups are trying to work together to build the class because you know oswego can sit back and say well we got 20 supers or 22 supers a week we're all right no the goal should be 40 of the doggone things There, there should never be a time in my opinion when any division ever sort of rests easy thinking that, you know, it's as good as it needs to be. And I'm not saying that's what Oswego's doing at all. I'm only making the point that 
all of the the groups, ISMA, MSS, and Oswego, should all be in communication on a regular basis trying to do whatever is necessary to build the biggest group and the most support at each supermodified event because that's the way that we're going to get the car count back up. If people see that, you know, hey, I can take my car and go run 15 times, I may have to travel a little bit, but I can go run 15 or 20 times this year and hit some big shows and there's, you know, some decent money and, you know, the competition's there. I'm not running a heat race with 12 cars in it for a feature. Then, you know, so I actually like the way that, that the uh, the 350 deal is being done. And I understand the teams, well, we're throwing a lot of money at these motors for, you know, X amount of races. But you've got plenty of races. Just go travel a little bit, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. take it on the road. You know, um, let's all show off what we got. So hopefully we get more people interested in doing it. I think that's really what everybody has to do on that side of things. But, um, okay, so we've got July 4th, obviously, the big show with uh, the Grand Prix and and the sport mods and, and all of that. Uh, that should be an awesome show. And then the 11th um, is the Twin 20s, right, for, for uh, the small blocks and the SBS of the small blocks. And um, then where do we go from here in July? Well... <laughs> One week later, we had Mr. Super Modified, and that's actually that's a good place to go <laughs> this year. So it just it really doesn't stop in July at all. Ten thousand to win, and the SBS and three fifties on the card also. So that's a gigantic night yeah, in itself. Sure. So um, I think actually, if if the Super Modifieds could have a week off all season, July eleventh would be the week to have it because it's kind of right smack sure. dab in the middle of yeah. the Grand Prix and Mr. Super Modify. And I have no problem with giving the Supers a week off. I mean, I, you know, again, it's, it's um, if you can create enough energy in enough different divisions of, of racing at Oswego and, and get so that the fans enjoy it all and, and aren't sort of, oh, gosh, it isn't a Super. Well, big deal. It still can put on a great show. Go watch it. Um, you know, then you can do that. And, yeah, to, to be able to, to have that week to prepare for, um, you know, you almost want to say that even though it may not be, okay, it's not track championship night. You don't win a track championship if you, if you win it. You, you, you know, it's not the longest show of the year by any means. Um, but you know what? There's a little bit of pride involved in being Mr. Super Modified. And that's a race that everybody looks forward to. Obviously, big money on the line. Um, you really want to win that show. So, yeah, I think it's great that they have the week off to, to prepare for that. I think so. I think it's a good week to do it, like I said. And I actually misspoke. The 350s are not on the card for Mr. Super Modified night this year. There is a race at star and we're off to support that that week. So Good. we'll just be that's the super modifieds and SBS. Well, and again, that's okay too. I mean, that's uh, it gives those two classes uh, the opportunity to run a bigger event. And again, just as much pride for the SBS guys and being Mr. SBS as there is for the super modified guys and being Mr. Super modified, I would uh, suppose. So, Absolutely, um, yeah. you know, right. So, uh, I think that's great. And, and, uh, there's nothing wrong, you know, a swiggle and a swiggle survived for years with one class, you know? So the, I love the variation in the schedule. All right, we got two classes this week. Next week, we got three. You know, maybe one week, we got four. 
Um, you know, and then of course classic is its own thing, but I love the variety and I love the fact that, um, you don't, you, you don't can't plan, um, on consistency in what you're going to see every Saturday night. You might not even see the supers, uh, one time during the year. That's okay. (laughs) Go and enjoy the other stuff. Um, you know, so yeah, that's great. Uh, July 18th. And then what happens, uh, isn't the 25th, the, uh, the week that, that, uh, that's Harbor Fest weekend, right? That's Harbor Fest weekend. Okay. We're off for for High Miler, so another little mini break there. But again, I think there's a few Oswego guys that plan on going out to Sandusky, and Jeff Abel being one of them, searching for the Triple Crown. Um, yes, go get it, Jeffrey. Yeah, <laughs> so that's kind of a cool story in itself. But yep, the usual week off there in July, and then. We open up in August with the summer championship, and again there, that's a 60-lap race for the Supers right off the bat. So it just does not slow down at all here throughout the whole year. It's going to kind of be a grind for these Super guys especially. Yeah, um, but you know what? The, again, they used to do 17 or 18 shows. So the, it's a, it, <laughs> right, you know right. what I mean? And I'm not diminishing. I'm just saying no. it's, it's, it's not like – so it, having the week off in July will be good because, you know, you get a chance to – if you need to fix your car or you need to to work on the setup or trying to do something different or just, you know, go on vacation with your family, um, you know, that's a, a good opportunity to do it. And, and, and then you come back and you've got the uh, kind of the end of season run up to the classic, which is how it used to be. I mean, those August shows used to be big shows because you never knew who would come in from the outside and, you know, try to dial in for classics. So, um, it'd be great if we could create that atmosphere again. Um, but certainly, uh, that's so the, how many shows do we run every week in August or are we still taking the week off before? By the way, for those of you listening going, why aren't you looking at the schedule? I'm trying to test my brain. Are we taking it? And I'm letting Cam do his job, by the way. <laughs> do we, uh, <laughs> if I talk about it all, I have no reason to have Cam here. Um, do we still have the week off before the, uh, classic? We do, but it's kind of it's kind of crazy this year the way the schedule falls. Like I said, it's everything's kind of moved up one week. So the first of August is our first race in August, so that right. allows us to have four shows in the month of August and still um, take the week off and a week off. So yeah, so August is jam packed with four shows, and it's it's four big shows: the summer championship, and then it's retro night, old timers reunion. Then we have another show for the Super Stocks, and then it's track championship night. So those are, again, four really important key shows to our 2020 schedule to conclude the the summer stretch. Well, and now each of the shows has kind of its own variation, too, because you've got the, the 60 lapper to start august right that's one of the um the bigger shows and then um you've got isn't there a is there a twin something mixed in there twin 30s twin 35s no no it's the 60 lapper and then the 45 lapper for for retro night the following that's right okay and then what do we have after that well after that is just a regular show one of the few regular shows on there 50 lapper sbs 30 350 25 the super stocks will be back on august 8th for retro night okay with a 30 lapper sbs as well and then on championship night which will be five dollar teal palace night again oh wow which is great 
Um, 60 laps again for the Supers, 35 laps for the SBS, and 30 laps for the 350s to conclude the regular calendar. Okay. So when I looked at it, uh, originally I thought I had seen, um, and I'm used to having somewhere in that stretch, uh, Twin 35s night, um, or Twin twin 30s whatever um and and they i guess guess they abandoned that and went uh, to, june 13th yeah that's what i'm saying that went they moved it up to um earlier in the season so that's interesting yep. okay so yeah four big shows to end the year and that's why i said I, I it is kind of a you know you can call it a specials only um you know there's there's a couple of regular shows stuck in there but um you know, that's okay, too. Not every event should be. And that's the other thing that you fight is if you make them all bigger shows with bigger money, you got to charge more at the gate. And, you know, in this day and age, that's hard to do. It's hard for fans to be able to, you know, to throw 20 or 25 or 30 bucks or whatever it's going to be to get into a show eight or 10 or 12 times a year. That's just, you know, that's tough to do. Um, so you kind of got to try to balance that somewhere. So I think that this schedule definitely has that balance and there's some, some real uniqueness to it too. I love the sport mods being there. I love the street stocks coming in a few times. I love the 60 lap idea for the championship shows. Um, I think it's a winner, man. Um, that's a, it's a nice, nice deal for everybody. And, um, then we get to the classic and, um, you know, this is, this is I know people again, you know they 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 hate that this was not there. Um, I understand, I do too. Um, but honestly, this does free up Sunday a little bit by putting the 350 classic on Saturday with the modified tour, and it gives the 350 division an opportunity to. I mean, obviously, the modified tour is a headline, but it it gives them a separation to have their own kind of deal where they're the headline super modified division for that night. Um, And hopefully, maybe that encourages even more cars to come out for it. I think it will, honestly. I I hope it will. Um, One thing I wanted to talk about really quick that I would be remiss not to mention is the crossover promotion we're doing with Star. Um, Star posting a couple bonuses for the winner of the July 4th Oswego race. They're going to get a guaranteed starting spot in the Randy Wickham Memorial. They'll receive free pit passes, a free tire, five gallons of race fuel. And we're doing a little bit of crossover for Star's opener on May 2nd and for our big race on July 4th. So each track essentially is promoting $125 in bonus money for each car that travels. And so I guess the best way I can put this is if, six of Swiggle cars were to travel to Star on May 2nd, then there will be a total of 750 in bonus money available, and it would be split among those five cars, or okay. six cars. And it would be divided up, you know, based on finishing position. Amongst that 750, it would go down from 200 to 175 to 150 and so on. Right. And then any, any more cars would get at least a $50 bonus from the track. So that's a really nice thing that star is doing. And I wanted to kind of tie that into the classic because I know that Bobby Weber is going to also do some cross promotion for that race. And we'll probably have an announcement out on that. So that's great. really good stuff. 
That, that is good, yeah. And see, that's how you build the division right there is is by working together. That's what I was talking about earlier. Um, you know, you have that crossover money going on, and you give people an incentive to make the trip and support, you know, everything that, that um, that's going on with your class. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's fun. And hopefully I, I know that the couple of guys that I've talked to since the offseason started – um, from the Oswego side of the 350 division, I know those guys are, you know, they loved going, you know, the idea of going to star Mike Bruce obviously went out there, um, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I know he's, he would be excited to go back. I think that's, that's, um, you know, we need all hands on deck anymore because there are only so many of these cars, just like there are only so many supers and somehow we've got to make it so that the teams can support just like there's a, there's a huge show on the 20th of June that's taking place at uh, Lucas Oil Raceway Park, Indianapolis Raceway Park, for those who can't keep track of the title sponsor, um, for the uh, MSS Supers. Yep. And I'm thinking, well, how cool would that have been if every super modified division, all of the, the, the groups – Okay, we're taking the night off, and we're all going to Indy. Um, how cool would that be? That's a big risk that that promoter's taking. He's got the MSS Supers. He's got the MSA uh, Mussy Racing Sprint Cars. He's got the um, he's got a, a, a traveling series of um i guess they're four cylinder cars um but it's a pretty big group i guess and then um he's got the super cup stock car series which is a low budget uh k&n type series all on that card on june 20th um how amazing would it be if you know everybody got together and just decided you know we're going to take that week and we're going to all go over there and and be a part of that and then you get the incentive for somebody to go and say, hey, we're going to have 30-plus super modifieds or whatever. You know, we want that to be on TV, and you might get some incentive. That's I feel like that's the kind of thing that going forward, everybody's got to be willing to do with, with these classes because, the, you know, it's not like sprint cars where, you know, the World of Outlaws travel 95 times a year, but there's sprint cars everywhere. So they travel with 15 or so, and then there's another 15 or 20 or whatever that you get from your your local area or the region. You know, there's just not enough supers. So when I saw that June 20th show, I said, wow, that promoter, that that promoter is taking a risk. It's not the same promoter that's that promotes the um, what do they call it? The fall brawl or whatever there at at, at, uh, IRP in the fall with the supers. It's not the same guy. There's a there's a, a different promoter that's doing this and he's bringing in three divisions from basically outside of his area. Um, and, and then I guess the, uh, of course the mussy racing is kind of a Midwest base, so they're not too far, but you know, the super cup stock car series and the, the MSS supers are certainly, you know, and so I, I would love to be able to see more shows like that and, and see the, the groups all support it and just work around it so everybody gets good car counts every time there's a show. I think that should be the goal. I don't know how you achieve that, but I think that should be the goal because, 
um, that type of a deal could could you know turn into a pretty big show if if he could just get good car counts. I just you I think Oswego's racing on that day, and you know and probably I don't I don't know about Isma, but um, you know it's again everybody should want to support stuff like that. Yeah, you know it's it's tough. Oswego's racing. Is was not, and the thing that kills me even more about this is how it all worked out for September because that is, you know, it could be a huge marquee event just for the super modified division as a whole. Right. And we have them there twice now. Yep. And the first time it conflicts with a Swiggo, and then the second time it conflicts with the Star Classic. And that. Oh, and that gosh, sucks. that's right, because they moved Star Classic back. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 See, that's the thing. I mean, I think there again, I think at some point um, for everybody to not just hang on, you know, for MSS and ISMA to not just have, you know, 12 or 13 cars, but to have 20 plus cars for, you know, for a show like this, you know, IRP deal to work, you know, even even a Swiggo um, at some point, you know, we've we've all got to be able to get together and say look okay you know how do we how do we make sure that everybody's got enough cars available to you know to to make it a great show um and boy i mean that the irp show both of those shows have a chance to be big shows and you know i think um i think that's something that that everybody needs to look at and say, if this guy's willing to do this, how can we help him to make it successful? Because otherwise, you know, if you get right. if you get ten cars, I don't know. Maybe that's all he wants. But my my thought is he'd rather have twenty. And I don't know if MSS alone can pull him that. So I hope that at least some of the Isma guys will 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 go out there um, because. It's shows like that in different markets. It's kind of like the modifieds going to Iowa. That's a real stretch for those teams because obviously there's not a single modified out there. They're all coming from New England in the Northeast. But, But, man, if that show goes well, then there's no reason to think we wouldn't see more modified shows as companions to to NASCAR weekends, which is what, you know, that's what the modified division has been saying that they've wanted for all these years. You know, they want more attention and more limelight and more, you know, well, that's how you get it. Go support that show. It may be a risk and it's, yeah, it's a big trip for those guys, but go support it because if that turns out to be a good show, then and who knows what happens eventually you do that two or three years and you start getting people out there that'll say you know what i'm going to build one of these or buy one of these cars i'm going to run you know a few shows where i can martinsville and iowa or whatever and you get people that just start wanting to run these bigger shows and sooner or later there becomes enough cars where some of them are just going and running period so um you know that's the kind of vision everybody has to have. So I don't I don't know that everybody knew that this June 20th show was happening, but it's it's a pretty interesting show. And like I said, I hope that it will get a good turnout of cars um, because it sounds like this promoter really wants to make this into a a major event. So 
you know, that's how you're going to do it is everybody goes and supports it. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what to think about the whole September thing. The more that I, I thought about it when you were talking, it's, you know, it's not at the fault of anybody because star came out with their schedule initially and the star classic was on the week that it normally is yeah and mss announced the september date and then not to the fault of bobby weber at all new hampshire came out with their schedule and their big fall championship weekend was placed on the weekend that the star classic is so he felt like he had no choice but to move the star classic back so it's kind of just an unfortunate deal i'm not sure which side it'll hurt more hopefully neither but i mean realistically i think that MSS has their own group of guys. ISMA has their own group of guys. And it'll be kind of interesting to see what a couple people like maybe Otto Sitterly, Tyler Thompson, Joe Gozik do as far as where we're going to have a few more extra cars for either the Star Classic or the Fall Brawl. See, I don't know. That's what I see as being the struggle with that. And I, I didn't even realize it until you pointed it out because I had forgotten that they moved the Star Classic. And I don't blame Bobby. He's got to do what he thinks he has to do, although I would wonder – you know, is this the is the super modified crowd that goes to the Star Classic? Are they all going to the? I mean, was did 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 he go out and actually kind of pull the people and say, you know, is this going to be an issue where you guys have to? I mean, I'm just not. I don't know if it's the same audience or not. Um, but obviously, he had reason to believe that it was. But here's, I don't know that that it's about Isma supporting that fall show necessarily, um, though I hope they'll support the earlier one. But in, in the fall, I feel like it's where the Oswego guys go that's going to make the difference because you, you had Tyler, you had, I think, Jeff West. I'm trying to think who went out there from Oswego last fall because those those three to five cars would make a difference, right? But again, you know, those guys would obviously might want to go to Star and Run. It's closer, you know, and I don't know how the purses compare either. So that would obviously play into it, and that's... That's a shame when you start getting these conflicts, um, you know, it starts to, it, it just hurts everybody because no matter where Tyler Thompson goes, he didn't go the other place. No matter where Joe goes, it goes, he didn't go the other place or whatever, whoever <laughs> it would be, right? So it, it, hurt, it yeah. ends up hurting, you know, um, and not helping when you have uh, two big shows like that on the same weekend. So I hope that... In the future, it, since it appears that, you know, IRP, LORP wants to have the Supermodifieds a couple times, that those shows are kind of there. I would hope that when everybody puts their schedules out for next year, they would all kind of, you know, call each other and say, okay, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to do? And then, you know, work with each other on dates so that maybe because there are so few Supers to go around, you know, we get this so that, you know, we can eliminate as much of that conflict as possible because I think those IRP shows, while the Oswego guys wouldn't think it's important to their, um, you know, existence, it's important to the super modified world's existence if it's ever going to, again, stretch beyond three little groups that hardly ever come together if it's ever yeah. going to get bigger in general those the fact that you've got a track over there and that's a big track that that gets a lot of publicity and a lot of people you know that are key to open wheel racing support that track i think that's that needs to be considered um almost like it was another group and everybody should be 
conscious of that. And let's see, because it shows like that. It shows like the Star Classic, the High Miler, the Oswego Classic. Those are the shows where if everybody worked together with all of their connections and, you know, and, and, and put together a format, whether it's, you know, digital TV or whether it's radio or whether it's, um, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, that's how you start getting corporate money back into the class. And so in that way, and you build car count too, um, build interest back in it. In that way, I think it, it, it does affect everybody. Um, so I, I don't know. That's uh, I, I guess I've been on a soapbox for about half this show, not intentionally, but you know, really just trying to think of ways to take what already exists that's getting better and make it even better for everybody. And I, I hate seeing conflicts. Some are unavoidable, but you know, especially for IRP out there, they're trying and they're inviting the supers. Gosh, it's just hard that that uh, we're only going to get a small portion because yeah. you know because of the conflicts, but. Um, sounds like a great Oswego schedule and, and I'm pumped. Uh, I mean, I just, I feel like if we could, um, you know, I don't know what they're working on in terms of, you know, setups, tires and all that. If we could just get it, you know, if we could, um, if we could make it a little easier for, for cars to, to pass and, and, you know, and to, to move through the field. I know we saw some guys that could do it pretty good last year. Maybe the other guys just have to work more on their cars. I don't know, but, um, if we can keep, you know, keep everybody going in the right direction here. I think, uh, I think we're, we're headed for some fun years, uh, going forward at the big O for sure. I think so too. There's just so many things to be excited about this year and really, you know, it is, it is a specials only thing. You know, I hate to go back to that whole terminology, but, um, we only have two less shows in 2020 than we started the previous decade with it. It just really is a lot of specials but there's there's 12 races it's not a specials only track we're gonna have great championship battles a lot of interesting components that that go into that like the twin nights and the extra distance nights and the first grand prix in in 15 years that's been 100 laps in distance so just uh a lot to be excited about and i agree uh, looking forward to it see i don't I don't think it's a specials only track at all. I think it's sort of, like I said earlier, I think it's sort of sneaky the way that it's happened. And I don't know if anybody planned it. It's just sort of evolved that way. And, and what I, what I really do give John and Eric credit for is look, you know, everybody wanted a a hundred lapper back. I don't know if all the teams did, but, but the fans did. Everybody loves those events like that. Everybody, you know, it's, they, they, they've been open to, to trying different things and, and trying to find, you know, how do we, it, it, it's sort of like what I see in NASCAR. How do we go backward, but go forward at the same time. And I love what they've come up with for this schedule. I think it's great. And there's hardly a night when you can say that nothing's new or nothing's unique. There's only a couple of the, the normal 45 scattered in there. And yet, as you say, there's still 12 races and, um, you know, there's some variety with some different classes coming in. Um, you know, I just I think it's cool, and and I hope that uh, I hope that everybody will 
you know, make the attempt to get out and go to as many races as they can because that's what we need to do. And like I said, on the week when the Supers aren't there, go and support the other classes and enjoy yourselves and, and have a good night. And, you know, because we, we've got to be able to um, to have a little bit of that. And I think giving the teams a week off is a great opportunity before the Mr. Super Modified race for everybody to make sure that they come prepared and their cars are ready to go for for one of the biggest shows of the year. I think so too. I think it's uh, I think it works out perfect this year. It's I think it's the best schedule we've had in a really long time, and just uh, happy to be a part of it, uh, both on and off the racetrack. Well, uh, definitely enjoy having you back, Cam, and uh, hopefully we can we can keep the streak going of uh, shows in a row here. Uh, <laughs> we <know>. will. <laughs> I think we did. We hit. Is this our thirtieth episode? I didn't look this time before we started, but uh, I think it is. Yeah. I think it is episode thirty. My goodness. Um, well, thanks to everybody who's uh, put up with us for for thirty shows, and uh, we're excited to to really have a big season this year. Um, and, you know, do as much as we can to help promote what's going on in supermodified racing. I will say it again, those of you listening uh, from ISMA and MSS, the more information you give to us, the more you make yourselves available, the better for everybody. I know that our audience would like to hear from you, too. It would be a lot easier if we didn't have to chase you. Um, so, gosh, give us somebody do a winner's interview every week from an, the MSS show and the ISMA show and, and uh, you know, hand it off to us. I mean, that way we can play it on here and at least... Uh, have you guys represented as, as best we can. Um, and we're also excited to, um, to do more with the 350s uh, and the SBS this year as well, now that we've got a full season. Um, and we're kind of, now we know what the show's going to be, so it'll be easier for us to, to fit as much of that in as possible. Cam, thanks for uh, taking the time and look forward to talking with you again next week. We are going to step aside. We'll be right back. Everyone knows Strut Masters is the suspension experts for luxury vehicles, and now we offer motorcycle products. Introducing Easy Rider, complete motorcycle air suspension brought to you by strutmasters.com. You can raise and lower your bike with the flip of a switch. Take those long rides with the ultimate comfort of Easy Rider air shocks. They're backed by Strut Masters, and you won't believe the low price. Check out Easy Rider, motorcycle air suspension at strutmasters.com. Welcome back to Inside Groove as we continue with our first show of 2020. Tom Baker with you, and uh, good to talk to Camden Proud in our opening uh, segment and get uh, all of the latest from the Oswego Speedway on their new schedule and all of that. And I uh, want to take a minute to just thank um, Indie Performance Composites, Jeff West, and uh, his business are uh, just going great guns out there in indianapolis and uh really just so thankful that uh they are continuing to support us here in 2020 and uh, want to say thank you as well to uh, sean cathcart and the folks from skips fish fry and also richworth and uh, the folks from jns paving for being so supportive as well so we are grateful to have our uh partners with us and uh I've got a driver with me now that um, I remember watching race basically from the time I started going to the Oswego Speedway until he retired from competition and always enjoyed watching him run. And I'm honored, honestly, that Mike Rizzo would take a few minutes to 
talk with us and uh, definitely excited to talk with him. Mike, thanks for being on the program. We are uh, grateful to have you. Oh, I'm happy to be with you. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about your career. You actually, um, you started way back, was it... uh, did you did you race? I I think I remember that you actually started racing. Was it at Brewerton before you started oh, yeah. at the Swiggum? Uh, yeah, I raced at uh, Brewerton, Fulton, occasionally Wheatsport when Stanley owned it before Donnelly took it over. And uh, yeah, I did a little bit of dirt, but mainly preferred the asphalt. Uh, yeah, we did. Uh, in fact, we almost won the track championship at Brewerton uh, back in 1970. We're, went into the last race for a short story and uh i was tied with uh, johnny michaels and uh, phil bennett for uh the points lead and we went into the the last race and i wound up uh getting in a little jingle and i guess johnny got into a little jingle and phil bennett wound up finishing fifth or sixth and wound up taking the points championship that year at Burden. oh my okay yes. That's awesome. I did not. Oh, yeah. Those I remember. Those were the good days. That was when it was a quarter-mile paved oval back then. It wasn't not dirt. It was just a whole quarter-mile bull ring. Now, um, if if my memory serves me correct, wasn't it Bobby Stelter that, that first influenced you to uh, come to Oswego and run a Supermodel Absolutely. Fun? I had my stagecoach that we were running at uh, Brewer, and then, of course, any. Any uh, race car that Bobby seen, he came in and investigated and talked, and I got to meet Bobby. And through Bobby, uh, I wound up finding out what a Swiggle was like and wound up meeting uh, Jim Delucia and John Pallotta, and they became good friends, uh, too, along the way. And, uh, oh, yeah, Bobby was very instrumental. And, matter of fact, I actually got uh, my first Super Modified. It was a, a bare strip frame. I mean, he even cut the shock brackets off. Bobby stripped it so bad. But oh, wow. I swapped him uh, by that old Colt 45 that Ren Barnhart drove back in the uh, the 60s. And we slid it in the back of a, a Fairlane station wagon. That's how stripped down it was. No front end, no rear end, no nothing on it. Oh, my. And I ended up putting together the, uh, the upright for... Uh, the 1973 uh, season, which we only ran a few races. We had quite a bit of motor problems. We went three or four times in a row, and we popped three motors. And I guess we did go qualify classic, and uh, we've made it through the heats, and I think we just barely made it in through the heats. And uh, I don't remember where we finished. Probably wasn't very well. Well, uh, what was your first impression of of being on the track at Oswego as a driver? What were you I, thinking about? I was very at odd to be on the same track with Jimmy Champagne, Nolan Swift, Warren Codium. You know, you go down the line of, you know, right, you know, the names of people that were on there. They were like, you know, heroes. I mean, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm lined up in my first heat race. And an old beat-up upright with no offset in it and a small black engine. And I've got a Jimmy Champagne with a great big, big block in it. And I'm looking at the back of that eight ball and going, wow, what am I doing out here, you know? <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that must have been that must have been very, very, uh, I, I assume it gets real pretty quick once they throw the green your oh, first yeah. time. <laughs> you know, once the, you know, once that green flag flies, it's. You're you're paying attention to what you're doing big time, yeah. That was yep. actually the first year I started going to Oswego too, and 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 again, you just the 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 drivers that you had back then, you know those guys were those guys were just beasts. And oh yeah, you, I mean you know you, like I say you had your Jimmy Champagnes and your Warren Codiums and even uh, 
Kempton base. I mean, guys owned and drove and built their own cars. I mean, these are very talented people. Yeah. We had people coming from uh, out of town, like uh, Rat Lane, Mobile, Alabama. We had people like Chuck Phillips coming in from Texas. I mean, you know, a normal night's car count was, I think, somewhere between, no, oh, say, 47, 48 cars, up to 50-something cars. Could be 58 cars showing up a night to qualify 24 spots. Matter of fact, I think in the 70s, 1977, if memory serves me right, that Oswego actually was sending away a field of cars after 24 of the fastest super modifieds were qualified. They used to have a concy, and a lot of times they, they would split the concy up yeah. to 11 yep. or 12 cars in each concy to, to qualify three out of each to give more people a chance to get into the show. Knock on wood. I was lucky at the time that I never had to run concies. I ran them in the early days with the uh, the upright, and once I got into the Salve car, things got a little better. Car was a little faster, but I was still dealing with obsolete race cars. Yeah, yeah. The ball I'm saying, and, and yep. if I turned around and, and say with the upright, if I if I finished. Uh, and we, we qualified every week. There wasn't a week that went by that we didn't qualify unless the car broke or something, then we weren't in the show. But uh, if that upright, if I started 24th and I got up to a 15th, that was a great night. This... Cars in one piece. We ran the wheels off of uh, five, six guys, and, you know, that's the best we could do. And then we, like I say, 75 came along, and I bought the, well, actually 74 is when I bought the Salve yep. Roadster and, um had to cut it off at the firewall, rebuild the whole front end of it. When I got it from John, it was basically stripped. All I had was uh, the rear end, no front axle, completely stripped of everything on the car. And I turned around and rebuilt it and debuted it in 75. And the car was fine. And we moved up from, say, 24th to 15th. Now we're running anywhere from 15th to 9th in sure. the features finishing. I said, yep. wow, you know, this, this is good, you know. <laughs> Get more fun we were now. happy with it. Whatever we dealt with that night, the car was in one piece. We put it on a trailer, took it home. I know I gave 110%. I know I gave 100%. I got 100% out of my cars. And I was satisfied. You know, we weren't overjoyed. We, the whole object was winning features, but that magic number never came to me in my whole racing career. Yeah, uh, and we'll get to that because I'm, I'm sure everybody remembers. There's a certain race that, that you had uh, toward the end of your career that that I, I want to talk about in some detail a little bit later. But um, staying in the in the the '73 '74 era '75, when you when you brought that up that that first car to a Swigo, and then you ended up buying the Solve car. You yes. you put um, a, I think his name was Lou Miller into yes. the older car, and the coolest thing about Mike Rizzo to me at that moment was you pulled the cars on this great big gigantic concrete kind of, I don't even know what it exactly was, but it was the coolest race trailer I've ever seen. <laughs> do you remember what I'm talking about, that big, uh, what what was that? It was something to that do was with... A, a, uh, that was an 18-wheeler that Lou Miller owned the tractor to, and that was his a Cousins or something block trailer. And we had a crane, and we picked both of them up. You remember that? We yeah. We both cars up, put one on the lower level, one on the upper level. Matter of fact, the first time we used it, we went to Thompson, Connecticut, and we got kind of rained out there. 
And we actually unloaded the cars just in there. No one swift come up to me. He says, Rizzo, this is a hell of a spectacle you're putting on here. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was the cool. I mean, I was like six. What did I know? I yep. thought that was yep. the coolest thing I'd ever seen at that time. Yeah, it's it like, what is a, that thing? Block, uh, track your trailer where you would load blocks in front and we actually put one race car strap down the upright on the front level and on the back level we put the uh salvia roadster that i rebuilt uh on the lower level yes i mean in fact we went to fulton with that too we went to thompson with it and we went to fulton with it a couple times yeah it's an amazing uh amazing yeah. deal and and we ran for you only for a short time but it was cool yeah, to see the two car team it got to be where maintaining both cars was getting tough for me. I couldn't get a little too uh, actually come down during the oh. week and just look over the car and make sure everything's tight on it. And the maintaining after three or four weeks of uh, trying to maintain both cars, it, it just couldn't happen. So we had to part, part company. Matter of fact, after I actually stripped the car and got down to the, the one car, we turned around. And I think I believe Lou Miller actually bought the frame off me. He was going to make it into a, a modified, dirt modified or something. I don't know whatever happened after that once he left the property with it, that if he ever did that or it just sat somewhere in the field. I don't, I don't know really happened, hmm. what really happened to it, you know. Interesting. Because I know for a while when you had it, I remember, too, that you, you ran it a little bit on the dirt. Like at Weedsport or whatever, oh, right? Yeah. I took the uh, upright out there. In fact, uh, I, I ran at Weedsport with it, and uh, we took a, a pretty good flyer out of rolling wheels in a practice session. I never oh, wow. ran rolling wheels before, and uh, Petrosi's uh, billed me uh, for, oh, I guess it was a big URC race. I made a deal with URC to uh, run a few races with them, and uh, we ran Weedsport and got in a little jingle, and then a few weeks later, Petrosi's called me up and wanted to know. I said, yeah, I'll be up there, and they, they kind of billed me, Chuck Sippridge, and Lee Osborne to be there uh, racing, and uh, they knew, of course, I had an upright super modified, and uh, we got... Uh, called up Petrosi's and talked with him. I said, listen, I've never been on your track before. When do you tear the track? He said, oh, we usually tear. I said, well, can you wait till Monday afternoon? I said, I'd like to come up and practice. He said, sure, we'll come on up and do that. Well, we went up and practiced, and we were doing very well up there. Matter of fact, uh, Mike Sussler, I don't know if you know him, his dad was helping me at the time. And, uh, yep. We were doing fairly, fairly well out there, you know, just ourselves practicing and having a good time. And all of a sudden I said, well, it's almost time. Well, we, I'll go out one more time with it and uh, we'll call it a wrap. And I think we got it pretty much set here. Well, we went out and blistering the track again. I guess from what uh, one of the Petrosis was up in the, the press box, I didn't know he was there. And he's up there with a hand stopwatch. And I guess I was like two tenths under the track record. Oh, wow. And, uh, I didn't know that at the time. I'm trying to compare it to Oswego times and this and that. Well, we went out and turned a few more laps and going down the back stretch. All of a sudden, my front end, my right front dropped to the ground. She stood on her nose, went barrel rolling. Now, this, this is being told to me. I didn't, don't remember any of it because I was knocked out cold. Oh, wow. I wound up going end for end, and I wound up, this was 11 o'clock or 11.30 in the morning. I woke up about 3.30 in the afternoon. In Auburn Memorial Hospital, I'm wondering, How, what the Goodness. hell am I doing here? <laughs> I, the female doctor tells me, he said, well, you were in a, a crash. I said, a crash? What kind of crash? She says, well, a race car crash. I said, well, what day is it? She said, I said, I don't race on Monday. I race on Saturday nights. You know, kind of cuckoo, you know. 
<laughs> oh yeah wow well that well, was to make a long story short we went back i put the car back together and we did go back that uh friday night to rolling wheels and we were out in slow laps working the track in and all of a sudden i went to turn the wheel coming off the fourth turn and my pitman arm in the in the steering box broke internally. Oh. I never knew that it was fine. It was steering fine, and all of a sudden, I must have cracked it in the crash because we repaired the car. I repaired the car as quick as I could in four days to get it back to sure. rolling wheels, and we never really ran that time. Oh. But the bottom line to this whole story is Glenn Donnelly paid attention to what I was doing, and that inspired Glenn Donnelly to run the Supers, and the sprint cars at the fairgrounds became the super series there. Okay. That's great. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, and, and see, that was the other thing about that period that to me was so much fun is that oh, yeah. so many of you, you were two surface drivers. Then. Well, that too. But, you know, yes. you, you'd have Jimmy Champagne or Chuck or Winksy or you or whoever oh, would run, yeah. you know, rolling Jimmy wheels Winks on a Friday. Jimmy was a very and, virtual you know, driver. Absolutely. Yeah. So was Chuck Sipridge. But a lot of the people were either dirt guys, or, but there was a few of us around who dried the wheelbarrows off anything. Yep. Yep, I remember Mark Letcher running at Weedsport. Mark I think Stelter did. Oh, yeah. You know. I believe Nolan Swift did at times in his early years, did some dirt, too. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Yeah, back then. Sure. Matter of fact, I think it was a Swigo where he did some dirt driving. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm sure he, yeah, he, he started ran, running uh, when it was dirt. Lafayette yeah. Speedway, too. Okay. Yeah, those those were fun days, and the, and it was yes. the same way with the supers and the modifieds. You'd see a lot of guys crossing over, and I remember oh, yeah. you having a modified one day. Probably not one of those those great memories for you, but uh, I, it was it was it was. I thought your your car was so cool the way you painted it, just like the super. It was a it was a nice looking car at the time. Oh yeah, you're talking about the upright then. The the modified sportsman that you had. Oh, the modified. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. That yeah. was uh, actually that was uh, the Phil Bennett car that, that beat me in points there uh, that I wound up acquiring back, and I only ran that a couple times. We tried it at the fairgrounds, and um, the night before the fair race, we were running classic and. Uh, race sands or somebody like that there was a big jingle in uh number three in between three and four and we all pulled our cars off to the side and all of a sudden i'm sitting there and, I, and ray's gone i don't know where the heck he went to but all of a sudden i see his car rolling away well i jump out on strap and i grab his steering wheel and i turn it don't you think i run over my left foot oh gosh i didn't know I that i strained my left foot oh gosh now i got a finished classic with a sprained foot we finished classic Got home, got home 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, unloaded the car, put the modified on the trailer, went over the fairgrounds, got in line, got in the fairgrounds, my foot swelling up like you, you can't believe. It's like three times the size of my ankle. Oh. Now, we go out. We're going to go out for jiggling around, working the track, and get a little hot lap. And eh, not too bad. I'm kind of positioning myself. I'm not going to use a brake anyway. Brakes are for, you know, people who want to go slow. So, you know, for <laughs> people who want to yeah. just uh, drive around and ride the brakes. So I turned around, and I'm going out for my I'm way back. I'm mean, like, I don't know, 17th, 18th, maybe 19th starting spot. And I'm jiggling around in the car and looking down at my foot and say, well, you know, if I do need it, I could probably go over here. I look up. That freaking feels gone. Whoa, where'd everybody go? I figured we had another one. There we go. I ran a couple, three laps and just pulled it. And I said, no way I'm going to run these people down, you know? Yeah. <laughs> wow. The next time we took it out, the same car, put asphalt tires on it, 
Went to Oswego. Started running Oswego, got in the heat, and uh, I forget the guy's name. He got in a little jingle with somebody, and I just stood both feet on the brake pedal, and I couldn't slow that car down. I just walloped somebody. like He probably thought a Sherman tank ran into him. <laughs> yeah, I remember <laughs> it ended in a crash. Oh, my. Yeah. yeah. Those, those, were, those were fun days, though, weren't they? I mean, obviously, you didn't like that kind of a result, but those were fun days to be able oh, to yeah. go well, back and forth like that. It's the same with Oswego right up until uh, oh I say around 7980 when they started the finance you run, you run what you brought and you yeah. brought a rear engine car you brought a mid engine car you brought yeah. an upright you brought a sprint car it made no difference was you the, had one motor in it you had three motors in it they didn't care was it there was ever a car that you looked at that you competed against that, that you just kind of looked at it and said what in the world were they thinking Oh yeah, well, <laughs> there's a few of them up there yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Like, who but they designed even went that? into like say mid-engine cars. I mean, you know, yeah. Uh, Eddie Thompson had a mid-engine one. Clyde Booth put together a mid-engine one for Jimmy Champagne, and you know, yeah, those were a, uh, those were fun diversity days. of cars at Oswego Speedway back then. And like I say, they were drawn anywhere from the mid 40s to the low 50s in car count weekly. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you know. reading in a program, I, I, I don't know if it was maybe 75 or 76, but I've got a bunch of the old programs back. And mm-hmm. I remember I looked in one program, and, and Ivor slash George Crusoe Jr., um, he he was commenting on how disappointed they were with with the fields that they were having at that moment. And, and he said... Um, you know, it seems like we're having a hard time getting over 30, and I just sort of chuckled. I thought, boy, if oh, yeah. we ever got 30 Supers at Oswego at one time in the middle of a season today, everybody would, like, fall out of the oh, grandstand, yeah. you know? Everybody would be smiling it, on their it, face, it's and, just, you know, Petro- or not Petrosis, but the uh, Teresis would be happier than yeah. that, you know. Yeah, but it but it just goes to show you the, the difference oh, in the times, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. had, you know, I mean, and the thing that I loved about watching you run is you, it seemed like anyway, you were always very consistent. You were always very good with your equipment. I mean, you. Well, that you know, that's what part of being the owner driver is when you're paying the bills. Not that I backed off anything. I, oh, sure. You can talk to people like Warren Codium and a whole bunch of others. When you come up alongside me, you better be ready to race because I'm not giving you an inch. Oh, sure. You know, you're going to earn your way around me. Once you, you know, I'll say one thing. 90% of the drivers at Oswego Speedway drove clean. You had that 10% yeah. that rather bump you or do whatever they can to get. But for the most part, most of them ran absolutely. I mean, you raced and you raced clean up there. I mean, you know, you're dealing with open wheels. And next thing you know, you climb somebody's wheel or something. You're outside the ballpark waking up in, uh, you know, Oswego Memorial or whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the thing, and, and I mean, you always uh, you always gave it your best, but you were always smart about it, and you know, just looking at the uh, your your stats here, just the points. I mean, obviously, your early years were learning years, and and that's right. so you know, um, and the early years were obsolete cars. Too. But even when you look at that, okay, uh, 1975, this would have been, I think, your first full yep. year in the Solvay car. 23rd out of 49. 
Uh, yep. 76, 22nd out of 57, 77, right. 29 out of 53, yep. and 78, 15 out of 48 drivers. That's okay, still impressive. 1980. Yes, yes. That's the new show car. Yes. We debuted it in 79, but we only brought it out halfway through the season. Yep. We had a few bugs we had to change, and when I first drove the car, Howard had parallel torsion on the front, one parallel on the left rear and a crossbar in the front. The first time I took the car off, the car was fast, but I didn't like the feel of the car. Didn't like it at all. And I told Howard, I said, you know, we got to change this. He says, all right, you know, <laughs> he says, come see me Monday. I close the shop at 4. He said, be there around 3. I said, okay. So me and my wife went up there, and Sharon went over and spent the day, a day and evening with uh, Ida. And Howard and I, he closed the shop, and we worked on the car. We waited all up. Got all the weights where we, you know, where we thought they would be. Tore the whole car apart and put two crossbar torches. He said, "Really, we shouldn't be doing this." I said, "I'm telling you, Howard, I don't <laughs> like the feel of the car. I want crossbar torsions on the back, parallel on the front." Well, 11:30 at night, we finished the job up. We had the weights back exactly where they were when we started it. And he says, "Well, here we go." So we. Loaded it back up in the bus, and we went over to his nice mansion. That he had. Howard had a gorgeous mansion. I don't know if you've ever been to it. I haven't, no. Gorgeous house. And, of course, we called Ida and Sharon, let them know we were coming. They had, we had supper about 11.30, so 12 o'clock at night. They wanted us to stay overnight, and I said, no. I said, i got to get back to work first thing in the morning. I said, we're going to head back to Syracuse. So we left at wow. 1 o'clock, 1.30 in the morning, headed back to Syracuse. Well, we got to Oswego that Saturday. And took the car out. Not only was the car fast, it was two tenths of a second faster than it was with a stock 454. No overbore, stock Chevrolet crank, stock Chevrolet cam, stock Chevrolet push rod, stock Chevrolet wow. uh, uh, lifters. The only thing racing on that motor was a double sprocket timing chain, TRW pistons. And Harlan Sharp rock ramps. Everything was over the counter from Chevrolet, and that car was fast. It was unbelievable. Best car I ever drove. Wow. Bar and none. And I, you, my times, and my, uh, you know, all my uh, points show that. I mean, you know, all of a sudden, 1980, eighth in points out of what 58 drivers. Yeah. Yep. 1982, sixth in points out of uh, 51 drivers. 1982, that's the year I loaned the motor to Jamie. We probably would have been sixth or seventh in, in points, I believe, or something on the order of that. But I, I loaned him my motor, and uh, Jamie wound up, uh, I had a little jingle and had a, a, not a good night of racing, but it wasn't a bad night either. But he wound up finishing ahead of me, wound up passing. We were battled the whole season, Jamie and I did, seesawing points back and forth. Whatever particular year that was, it was either, I don't know, 83 um, or... Well, 82 would have been, no, you were 7th out of 50 in it. Yeah, 80, there. 82 you were 7th. We were, Keith yeah. had, had me in points, or I'd be ahead of him, and vice versa, and we went into the last race of the year that week before he had blew a motor, and he was done. And I said, Jamie, I said, I'll tell you what. I got a motor for you. It ain't the greatest motor, but it's my backup motor. If you want it, you you can use it. And so he said, oh, geez, thanks. So they come down, borrowed the motor, and, of course, that's Sarah. Jamie comes up, and you probably heard the story from Jamie. Comes up, and he says, Riz. He says, I know what, Jamie, what's the matter? He says, the motor is fire. I said, Jared, Jamie, don't worry about it. Just keep your leg doing it. If it blows, it blows. If it don't, it'll get you through the night. Don't worry about it. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you you definitely, obviously, with a newer car, it, it made a much bigger difference because you yes. had more. Um, the car made a big difference. It wasn't something that was been beat up over the years and handed down and repaired. And that. It was my first brand-new car, and they showed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that was... Uh, that was definitely uh, a welcome sight to see you with the new machine, and of course, I remember the, the the big race that you ran. Your your arguably the best race you ever had at Oswego was the race that you ran, where you led. I think it, it might have been a thirty-five or maybe a forty-five. I can't remember, but it was you and then Warren Conium. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, that was the difference of. Uh... There was a difference of probably, uh, I probably had $10,000, $11,000 in my motor versus a, a probably a twenty two yeah. or $25,000 pro-built dyno motor. Yeah. Yep. And there you, was a difference there. You, you almost we had it. <laughs> Joya was uh, leading. I was yep. dogging Joya, and Cody was dogging me most of the race, and we were just, you know, we were there. and. Coming down that back stretch, I was going to get in the lap before and wish I had made that move sooner, but I didn't. And uh, Joya threw the anchor out, and they're on the white flag lap going in the one. I think he got crossed up, and I threw the anchor out, and Cody threw the anchor. Everybody stacked right up, yeah. and then we all got gathered up and went down that back stretch, and I go, here we go. As soon as we got in the three, I pulled right alongside of Steve. And all of a sudden, I got a little twitch. We knew it was slippery out there. I knew it was slippery out. Warren knew it was slippery out. Joy, I knew it was slipping, but I, I got to try this. Went outside, got alongside him, got a little twitch, just had to ease out enough to straighten the car out. Once I did, Cody got a nose underneath me. He had his rear wheel, his front wheels up to my rear wheels, and I gave him room. We come down that front straightaway. I'm bending the throttle with my, my my right foot. I'm pushing that throttle through the floorboard, and I could see him pulling me. It was a difference of the horsepower. Oh. Motor. My motors, people don't realize my motors, on a good day, probably had 475 horses. I'm running against guys that had 800 horsepower. Yeah. Got a guy like Hebron. They said they went off the scale, over 1,000 horsepower. Black Bart had more horsepower than he knew what to do with. Matter of fact, one night, to uh, Hebron went on seven cylinders. Yep. And instead of taking his brand-new half-inch stroke car, brand-new car, back up, out and running it, he elected to go black bart on seven cylinders and he blew everybody's doors in for the feature yep one it on seven cylinders that's how much power black bart had the amazing thing is is i i had seen drivers steve joya did it one night joe gozik i think may have done it one night um i think jimmy did it one night um yeah jimmy did that yeah also as a matter of fact i think that's where jimmy Told them what to do, you know, how to disconnect the cylinder, get the fuel shut off for that one cylinder, pull the plug out, and I'm, I'm sure Jimmy tutored him on how to how to correctly run that motor on seven cylinders. Yeah, it could be. I mean, that's uh, you know, and and I've seen that done, and and I. Um, the explanation I was always given is that while you obviously lose some straightaway speed, you, you may you you're not that much necessarily worse off in the corner if the car's handling no, well. Well, that's where I used to make my my time up is in the car. Yeah. Bob Stalter helped me out in uh, uh, I think 1981, and uh, I never realized. You know, he come to me. He says, Jesus 
Christ risen. I saw Bobby talk. He said, you're the fastest breaking car here. Said, what are you talking about, Bob? I said, I'm two or three tons slower than these. No, he said, I'm telling you. Bobby would time me coming into the turn, coming out of the turn, yeah. coming into one, coming out of two, time me going into three, coming out of four, time me coming out of two, going down the straight or back straight, time me coming out of four, going down the front straight. He says, you're two-tenths of a second faster than anybody here going through the turns. He says, you're losing time going down the straightaway. Didn't have the horsepower to pull me down the straightaway, but making up time in each end. Wow. Yes. I didn't under I didn't understand that until he actually pointed it out to me. He says, I got you right here. Look at the watch. He says, look at the time. He says, here's Champagne's times through the turns. Here's this guy's times through. You're two-tenths quicker than these guys through the turns. You're two, you're two and a half tenths slower going down the straightaway where it's the easy part of the track where you just oh. hold your foot to the floor and hold it straight. That's amazing. Lack of horsepower. Oh. Yeah. Now, nobody knew. Nobody knew. That well. My motors were, were pretty much street motors. Everything I bought, except for the TRW pistons, except for the double sprocket timing chain, except for the Harlan Sharp rocker arms, Everything was bought over-the-counter Chevrolet part number. Heads, block, crank, rods, camshaft, lifters, push tubes, all stock Chevrolets. Couldn't afford to build a, a racing engine. Put together a halfway decent street motor, and I guess I got pretty lucky. I ran with the best of the best. Well, you sure did, and and you were always fun to watch. You are always fun to to get an autograph from after the races and, and well I tried to accommodate everybody no matter how good how off or whatever the night was if somebody came up I would talk to them sign their autographs and, you know I learned that from Jimmy Champagne no matter how yep. it is you still got to pay attention to the fans the fans are why we're here well yeah and I I've I, I make no bones about the fact that I was the first time I ever went there in 1973 I picked out the eight ball and uh and and I was a Jimmy fan from then on, and and I've got two of his trophies sitting here in my office uh, that are always in my view as I'm working, and that's that's really it's inspiration, and you know that's the uh, the kind of respect that I had for him, and and I, oh, yeah. I think a lot of people learned from Jimmy, not just in terms of how you deal with the fans, but also uh, obviously the racing side of it and, and, and the uh, the building side of it as well. He could just do it all. Oh, I know. It was, uh, yeah. it was amazing. Jimmy was always cordial about everything. I sat alongside of Jim many nights. We'd be pushed out in the track waiting to get pushed off, and I couldn't believe the catcalling, the abuse that the people were giving him out of the stands. Oh, yeah. I looked over at Jim, and I shook my head. And matter of fact, one night, I went, I said, Jim, how do you put up? He says, he says, he says, they can call me whatever they want. He says, you know, at the end of the night, I take the truck to the bank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was Jim, yep. you know. <laughs> yeah. My bank account loves it. That's all that matters. Um, That's right. You know, boomy or cheery. Night, I've got the truck. Yeah. They can say whatever they want. That's exactly right. I mean, that's, uh, but you know what? There were so many nice guys back then. We're, we're there. Um, we're, we're, you must have a story or two about uh, a certain driver or just a, a moment that was funny or enjoyable that, that you can tell that uh, uh, on a family show anyway. Uh, <laughs> I really don't. I don't know. I, like I say, uh, I've 
didn't really talk to a lot of people there. Matter of fact, my wife would uh, say, Jesus, how can we say hello to so-and-so? I said, well, I never see. She says, hey, you're parked right next to us. Well, you know, I'm so involved. <laughs> what's going on around me, what I got to do when I get out in the track and making maybe a few changes here and there in the car and think I never, never paid attention to whoever was even alongside of me. That's interesting. So just so focused that you really never... Oh, I was focused. When I left Syracuse and I'm driving that school bus down 48 and jumping on 57 or whatever it was to get to Oswego, and I'm, I'm getting psyched. Time I got to the gate, I'm ready. Let's go. It's all 110%. Do what I got to do tonight, you know. That's awesome. And it, it actually shows my, you know, my wife would uh, be in there, and every lap I was on the track, every no matter what car it was, she would write down every lap that what the times were and this yep. and that. She never knew that I was running different lines. I would run a five-lap session, run say running low, then I'd move out to the center of the track and, and run five laps out there. And she's just keeping track of all the time. I'd get in, I'd look at her sheet, and I'd just go, hmm. Where it felt the worst, I'm thinking to myself. That's where I'm going the fastest. So I know tonight where the car feels the fastest. Interesting. Well, that's, yep. yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you almost have to have that focus, though. Um, oh, yeah. Well, she never knew what I was doing. All she knew is every lap, I don't care, good or slow, whatever, you write down You write down my times. Yeah, yeah. That way you've got you know? a reference, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, I mean, you know, back in those days, too, as you said, the variety of equipment that was out there, um, oh. I mean, it was, it was from, from a fan's point of view, it was just oh, yeah. awe, you know. You had, you know, like I say, it was run what you brung back yeah. then. And like I say, there was mid-engine cars, upright cars. Uh, you know, matter of fact, there's a few races in October where it was a, a, a sprint challenge when the Supers were running against the Sprints and the Sprints were running against the Supers at Oswego on an October night. They did it a couple, three years in a row. Yeah. That uh, the overall point, whoever ran both races, won an extra, like, $1,000 or something. Yeah. for yeah. You know, you could finish 10th in one and 9th in the other, and the other guy said, you got that $1,000 because yep. you were combined points of uh, – Highest yeah, that was fun. Races. That was fun. It was good to, oh, you yeah. know, got Jeff Swindell and Cliff Graves' car one year and uh, Rich oh, Vogler yeah. come up. And, yeah, there was – that was uh, – those were fun fun times for sure. Now, I was trying to think back uh, in preparation for this interview because I, I like to pride myself on my memory. And you know, almost everybody I talk to on this show who was a driver back in that, say, 60s, 70s era – in addition, if they ran for themselves, then that's what they did. But they also, at some point, drove for somebody else. And and I couldn't remember you driving for anyone else ever except, for some reason, stuck in my craw, was maybe one time for Steve Miller back in, like, 73 or 74. Well, yeah, I drove for Steve. Uh, that was... Uh... That was back in 74, I think. Yes, and, uh, okay. Eddie Bell was driving, there. and Eddie Bell was like, from what I remember, Steve was complaining about, you know, Jesus, guys never gets out of the 20s, 20 point <laughs> 20 point this or whatever. I said, you know, and, and Steve hounded me for about, I don't know, a couple, three weeks. He said, really, you sure? I said, Steve, I said, I'm going to leave my car home, the upright. I said, I am going to drive your car in the October deal you sure i should Steve, i'm telling you so i show up that day in october and steve's got the car and they 
Oh, geez, I can't reach the pedal, Steve. Oh, geez, they got a bunch of cardboard, and I don't know, they must have put six inches of cardboard in my uh, behind. Oh, gosh. me ahead, and I could reach the pedals, and uh, went out in the first hot lap session. I go, wow, this thing's got some power. And I guess I was in, like, you know, 19.1s, 19.2s, way faster than Bell was going. And I went blow on by Baldy Baker, and I said, wow, this son of a bitch for a small block got some power, speak <laughs> my language. But, uh, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, about four, five, six laps later, I coming off a of four, right front, I don't know if it broke a torsion stop or broke a torsion bar, right front dropped, sailed me right into the wall, and I took care, I just wound up. Losing the brakes right away. As soon as I took a walk, they took the right front wheel off too, and it wound up spinning all the way down the front street. Way uh, you're just constantly banging into the wall. Wound up compound fracturing my arm. Oh, oh yeah, and uh, the the rear end wound up right behind my seat. Luckily for me, that they turned around and put that cardboard behind me. If I was sitting in a seat where Bell sat in, I would have probably broke my. Uh, my hips. Oh, my. The rear end come over and smashed the bottom of the seat, and it wound up. I, I demolished this car. I felt sorry for Steve, and I said, you know, geez, I really, you know, you know, we just, you know, something broke in the front where the front end took a dive, and once it took the dive, it spun, and then all of a sudden I'm slapping the wall three or four times, whatever it was, from coming out of four all the way down to the first turn, and I bent the car and pretty much into a pretzel form. Oh. Yeah. Wow. That wasn't fun. That was the only time you drove for somebody else's, I remember. No, I drove um, Who did I miss? a 37 car one night for one short race. Oh, okay. Uh, John Corb's yeah, car. Yeah, the um, orange car, sure. I love yes, that car. Um, I still love that car. Jimmy Muldoon was the driver of it. I, I had a broken axle in my car, in a Salve car. Okay. And uh, they had an invitational race. I was like 16th or 15th in points at the oh, time. Oh, okay. And it was a top 18 drivers, and it was $100 yep. to start the race. And John Corbs was next to us, and I'm working on my car. And started, I said, John, I said, you know, can I make a deal with you? He goes, what's he said, Listen, I'm qualified. The driver is the one's qualified for the race, not the car. I said, why don't I take your car out? And I said, we'll, we'll split the 100 bucks." And I said, I'll take two or three laps, and I'll turn around, and I'll, I'll bring it in, and it'll be 50 bucks a piece. He goes, yeah, yeah well, well, we can do that. So I never drove the car. Never started. Went out in the track. They pushed me off. I said, I'm going to drop back, take a few laps, and come in. Well, I got strapped in. They pushed me off. I dropped back probably, I don't know, 10, 12 lengths away from uh, the field of cars. I don't know what this car is going to do. I've yeah. never, never even started it, let alone driving this thing in a race. And all of a sudden, the green come out. Man, I led into that big old Duke that Harl Marsh made and Whoa, this thing's got some power. Next thing I know, after six, eight laps, I cut the field and I pass it four or five cars. And I start thinking, oh, shit, I better take this in. I told him I was only going to take a couple laps. Well, I come pulling in the pits, and John comes over to me. He says, what happened? What happened? I said, nothing. I said, I told you I was only going to take a couple laps. I was out there for five or six. He said, hell, you see, you were doing good. He said, you want to drive this car? I said, no. I said, Jim will take care of it tonight. I'll have my car ready. For the feature, by time you wow. know, by time feature comes, I'll be ready. Yeah, it was probably like, why didn't you just finish the race? Uh, well, why the finish top ten? Well, I'm only going to take a couple laps. I'm out there six or seven, eight laps. The car felt good, and I, I passed four or five people, and I'm starting to whoa. That was a good had car. To run them down because I dropped back probably yeah. almost a half a straightaway just to get away from everybody. I didn't know what the car was going to do or how sure. it was going to handle, and 
That was the end. That was probably the only two times that I drove anything other than my own own cars. I okay. felt safe in my own cars because I was turning the wrenches. I was doing the welding. Sure. I was building the motors. I was doing everything to the cars, and I knew everything was tight. If anything was going to happen, the only one I had to blame was me. Well, yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. How much uh, racing out of town did you do in your oh, career? Oh, I did quite a bit for a while. Were there... When I got the uh, new uh, show car, we went. Uh, we did some Isma running. Of course, we're in 76. I think we were like 21st in points and 78th. We went, I'm talking Isma points yeah. now. Yeah. 78, we were 12th, and then all of a sudden the show car come along. 79, we didn't go out of town with it because we were tinkering with a little bit of the bugs and this and that, but 80, I said, wow. We knew in 79 I had something for a swigger. Then all of a sudden, 1980, I wound up 16 points, 81. Yep. Fourth in points in Israel. Then we, in 82, I didn't do as much uh, running out of town with uh, with Israel. But in 80, 83, we didn't do much either, but the last time i really drove that car fast i was helping mike Ruder out and uh i was leaving my car home and uh i four or five six weeks went by and just helping michael out and uh michael says why don't we take your car to uh we go. I said, well, I said, you know, Jesus, I have this problem with the car, which I can't figure out why it runs good. Then all of a sudden it runs flat and it, you know, runs good again. He says, I said, I've changed everything. I've changed mags, changed injection, changed this, that, changed speed. He, I said, I can't. I said, I had Jimmy D come down and go through my heads to make the heads absolutely perfect, shimmed wise, and you make sure everything. And I said, still doing the same thing. I said, uh, there's times I could run a heat or something, 15, 16. Yeah, the car's got the power. I'm fine and all of a sudden it's just bleh, it's flat he says the fuel i said i've changed fuel lines i've changed fuel pumps well michael come down michael is a, a, a very good friend and still is a very good friend of mine nice came guy. down and brought something i'd never seen before he's got these gauges and air hose and he's doing this and that and this and that and about an hour or two later he says you really fell it was no good i said what are you talking about? he said look at this he says it's stuck now it's working. It's stuck again. It's stuck again. It's stuck again. Now, now it's working again. He says, you got another relief valve? I go, yeah. Says, Let's put the new relief valve on it. Put the new relief valve on it. Well, every time, perfect. Why? I took that relief valve and wound up throwing it across the street. Uh, our granddad wound up over, threw it over the wall. He must have threw it 50 yards away from me. Went to a Wego that weekend. And we were blistered. We were almost flat pedaling around that track. Car wow. had the power. And seeing that I didn't run Ismail that much that year and missed a lot of races, we qualified in the heat very well. I think we were like third or fourth in the heat. And, you know, I said, boy, I think Scott, it's Michael. I said, it's back. It's got, I need more stagger. He says, Riz, he said, your throttle's sticking on that? I go, no. I said, why? He says, everybody's lifting here. He said, you're, you're going in. Well, I said, Michael, I can get in deeper if I can get a little bit more stagger. Well, Michael goes out and buys me a tire. Left rear tire. We got like 11 inches of stagger in there. Now I got old man Heveron. I got Warren Codium. I got Sipridge. Everybody's over looking at my tire numbers. Like, where'd this guy come from? <laughs> well, they started started me and Joe Gosick basically dead last because they punished us for not coming to Isma races. Now, we ran this, I think it was, I don't know, 100 lap race or 75 lap race, whatever it was, and I wound up being uh, fifth, and I think Joe Gosick wound up being sick. We come up through, wow. and we were closing in on the leaders. And we just we ran out of tires and ran out of laps, and 
Joe, I said, Jesus, somebody was dogging me the whole race. And of course, Joe says, yeah, it was me. He says, I couldn't do nothing with you. So I could run with you. He says, I couldn't do nothing with you. And I said, wow. I knew somebody was there. And of course, then the following week, we we actually took the car back to Oswego. And that's one of the 5% I don't want to talk about. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that was the... Uh... That yeah. was the crash. Yeah, that was the crash. Um, yeah, that uh, prematurely uh, took me uh, took me out of my racing career. Yeah, remember? Did did you not? Am, am, am I imagining that you came back maybe the following year in a white car? Well, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. Yeah, but we, you did. Uh, you you did teamed re- up with uh, Mr. Bush. And, okay, uh, and uh, I wound up. Uh, Putting some money in the car, which I probably shouldn't have, and this and that. And me and Ruder were kind of teamed up. Uh, we bought the Brubaker car. Well, I actually bought the Brubaker That's car. That's what it was. Michael it was the show car. Yeah. Uh, you know, six, eight, ten weeks, whatever it took to go through the car and get it ready kind of a week before Classic or so. And both of us got our tongue hanging out like a couple of dogs in heat. And we got buzzing <laughs> around and this and that. And next thing you know, Within 10, 12 days, we feel we got the car ready. We get to Oswego, and the car is a piece of SHIT. Wow. Ah, I'm jumping out of gear, doing this and that. And, you know, we come back the following week, this and that. So, you know, after about two and a half or three weeks of this, we told Al, say, listen, Al, we got to do what the original deal is. And I said, you know, we got to take our time and go through this car and figure out what is wrong with this car. It's, it's impossible to drive. So I, we told Al at the track, I said, Al, we're going to take a week off and just relax. And then we're going to look it all over and we're going to take another week or two and go through this car and get back to it. It's going to be right when we get back. Well, that was fine. Saturday night, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday comes. Now, we haven't touched the car. Haven't touched the bolt on the car. It's even dirty. That's that's rare for it. The car, we just didn't touch it. Yeah. All of a sudden, Al Walsh is in. He goes, Rizzo. I go, why? He says, this is, that race car is detrimental to our racing career. If you want to race, we got to have it at the track tomorrow. I said, Al, the car hasn't been touched. I don't care. He says, it's detrimental to this racing program. That, that car either races this weekend, tomorrow, or we're done. Okay, I'll walk the door, get on the horn, get Michael on the phone, Michael Reuter and uh, Mike. He goes, what the, you know, <laughs> I don't know. This is what he told me, Michael. So he, Michael, come down, meet me. Around, he met me around 9, 930 in the morning, and we worked our ass off to 2, 3 o'clock in the morning getting going through that car. Did the best we can, loaded it up. I worked half the night over, and Michael worked most of the night with it, too, and Got to load it up, got to Swigo. I'm dead tired. And, of course, Al Walsh is in uh, when we got the car all loaded up about 334. <laughs> oh, we rush. Yeah, we're all set. We'll see you at Swigo. And I get there and take the car out, going down the back stretch, get it going, hammer, drive it in the tree hard, boom, jump out of the Son of a bitch, I'm going. You know, almost wall the car. Bring it in the, the fourth corner gate. Bring it in. I said, we got I said, Al. The car's still jumping out of gear. This, we got to take our, well, so we lock it down with bungee cords, and I take it back out of the gear. Same thing. Wow. Wheel into the corner hard, jump out of the gear, almost put it in the wall. I come out of it, come in the pits, pull it out, jumped out of the car, say, Al, I'm retired. I'm done. 
What? What? I said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not driving no more. I said, I've had it. Uh, this is the first time I ever had a car owner dictating to me, and I couldn't handle this. Yeah. So I went over to Michael. Michael's driving for Steve Miller. I got him off the side. I said, Michael, you interested in driving that shitbox? That's how I refer to most of the race cars <laughs> as shitbox. <laughs> what are you talking about? Right? I said, listen, come see me Monday. Think about it over the weekend. I says, if you want that ride, I already talked to Al. He says, he'll put you in the car. So we had a meeting of the minds uh, that Monday, and Michael agreed to it. Next thing you know, Al pits Michael against me and this and that. Next thing I know, the car's out of my shop. And, you know, me and Michael <laughs> always stayed best friends. None of this came between us. That's good. You know, and he felt bad. I said, Michael, don't feel bad. You got to ride. You deal with him. And Michael found out about Al Bush. There's another story about that. They would take another hour shower, brother. <laughs> well, that's all right. So, it <laughs> was. It's. It's too bad that you know. Al was just. He liked playing mind games for people for some reason or other. I don't know. Well, that is too bad. But uh, but you know that's part of what goes on in racing. You know. Yeah. I guess. You well, know, like I say, I never drove for anybody. Never had anybody on my back about anything. And. Everything I had was always right because I made it right before we even left. We never had to worry about if the car's going to run right at the track or if something. Everything was loose, everything was checked, tightened, and ready to go. When we got there, we unloaded it, made a couple laps around, warmed the tires up, wait for the first qualifying race. We're ready to go. Well, and, you know, that again, back then, that was uh, most people owned their own cars. There weren't too many people who. You know, there, yeah. there were there were a handful of car owners. Obviously, you had Steve Miller and, and Hermie, and you know, some oh, yeah. Wissing and some guys like that. But I mean, there were a lot of owner drivers, and and uh, you know, well, there's a lot of paid drivers there too. You know, there was sure. a lot of, oh yeah, a lot of money on the line. See, that's that's the thing that you know held me back was with money. I ran everything on my car was bought and paid for. There was yeah. nothing finance. Everything yeah. was bought and paid for. And, you know, they had people that would run six tires a night. There was a, a, probably three or four, maybe five of them that were putting six brand-new tires a night on. I would put on one. Wow. I would put on a right rear or a right front. If I put on a right front, I flipped my right rear over and ran it another night. If I put a right rear on, I flipped my right front over and ran it another night. Every, oh, I don't know, five or six weeks, I would have to go to if it was a right front, it would be right front, left rear, or if it was a right rear, it was a right front, left rear. Never changed a pivot tire. Yeah. But, you know, I'm running against guys that, you know, I can name names right off the bat with sure. headruns. Sure. Put four tires on first one-off session. Run them in, scuff them in nice, get them good, pull them off, they'd measure them this and that, put two brand new tires on that outside of the car, go out and scuff them in. That set of four tires was the heat and semi-tires. When it come feature time, those tires, the right front and right rear that were on for the heat and the semi were taken off and the fresh scuffins were put on for the feature. Sure. Yep. How do you compete with that? It, it's hard. And that's always Absolutely. been, and, you, know, you know. I believe Jimmy Champagne did that. And I believe there was a few others that did that. that you know, it was, it was tough uh, battling these guys with, with no money. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> but that's you know, what. And actually, week to week. And then I. Not complaining, but my car made money. Yeah, yep. Well, I carried my 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 race cars carried themselves each week. 
Well, and that there again, that's, um, you know, that that's what made that era especially so oh, yeah. awesome because as a fan, you know, we we always appreciated, and I think I can speak for the grandstand because I don't think anybody disagree with me. We always we always want we loved when an underdog would would do something oh, well. Yeah. Well, there's a, you know, there was a few nights we had them standing on their carriages and whooping and howling. Yep. You know, like I say, the night we almost yep. beat Joy. Of course, there was another night that. Uh, I felt that I had one stolen from me, but that's beside the point. I, you know, you, it's yeah. hindsight now. Yeah. It's all twenty twenty, but you know, I'm a straightaway behind Dougie, and Dougie's winning uh, the race, and all of a sudden, uh, two guys spin out or three guys spin out in front of him. I thought I seen, even in the videotape that I looked afterwards, I thought I seen the car that was sitting there in the track. The roll cage actually moved. That means he touched them, but they. They wouldn't put him involved. He said, no, he never touched him. I said, well, whatever. But the thing that annoyed me, that they didn't put me behind Dougie, they put like three or four lap cars between me and Doug, and I never got to, never got the opportunity. Doug, once that green come out, was gone. Yeah. Now I got to get to the outside of these lap cars to get around. The time I got to the buy the lap cars, the race is over. But, you know, if I was behind Dougie, we would have did a little jumping on the, you know, I'd have come alongside them before that green come on, I'm sure of it. I hope they didn't notice. <laughs> and I think, I think Doug would have knew that, too. If he you timed it just you know, right. I'm sure he would have kept a glance out of the corner's eye because he probably knew I was going to be coming, you know. Yeah. But, like I say, it's all happy memories now, you know. Of course. What did you enjoy most about your, t- your time? I enjoyed here? just racing, driving. I put, uh, oh, Christ, all over 100 hours a week uh, between working on the car. My main concern when I was racing was the car. The business was secondary. I used to oh, have wow. a couple of employees, and they did it all. And what I did was work 24-7 on the car, making sure it was the way I wanted it and everything was right, and it always paid off for me. You know, I um, back in the early days before I really got driving, I was a Mark Donahue fan. Yep. And Mark Donahue always said, in order to finish first, first you got to finish. And that was my goal, to finish races. You can't win unless you're finishing races. Absolutely. And we finished a lot of them over this week. I don't know how many miles we put on there, but I don't think there's a night to go by that I can remember. Even back in, uh, I might have had one in 73 or something like that, 74, where you know, I didn't qualify. But all the way through from probably, oh, I don't know, 1974 right through 79, we were in the shows unless the car or something actually broke or we were out for the night. You know, we, yeah. we never missed qualifying. And there was a hell of a task to qualify. You had to bust your kaboonies uh, to get in the oh, show. Oh, yes. You know, you're dealing with 48, 50 cars there. And, you know, they're only going to take the fastest 24, and, baby, you better be one of the, the quickest or you're yeah. going to be, you know, sitting there with the tow money going home with nothing. And, but we were lucky. We made it through uh, most of the heats and semis. Well, Very rarely I had uh, I had to run the county, especially in the, what I call my modern era, the show car era. We were always Oh yeah, you were always fast in that. Yeah. And and even if yeah. you even if you never it, even never even took the car out to practice much with it. I would take the car out the first warm up session, I'd have the motor running in the pits, get it warmed up, go out, heat the tires up, this and that and wait for the heats to come. Oh, okay. Okay. You know? 
Then the next next one, we were in the semis, and then, of course, the feature. But uh, most of the time, we just sat around waiting for the day to come about. You know, and just you know, we'd go out just to maybe the last warm-up session to reheat the tires up a little bit and get a few laps. I didn't care what the time was. So just get a little heat in the tires. So when we get out there, we got some heat in the tires uh, in, in the heat of the semi or whatever right. we were getting ready to run, you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a, it, I mean, you, you talk about the car count back in those days. It just occurs to me that um, when you think about oh, yeah. Concies, now, you know, it, it's a point of pride if you never have to run a Concy, but there's, there also was no shame because the Concies oh, no. were some I mean, of the best you, races you, of the day. Back, I, I'm 77, 78, they used to have, like I say, they would send home 20, 23, sometimes 24 cars yeah. after having a field of cars qualified. And they, I told, uh, mentioned it to the Romy and stuff. I said, you know, you probably should run a, like a B main and not qualify. Well, you know, if you don't want to have to pay for that, this and that, you could, well, whatever, Rome, you know. Yeah. I mean, you're sending away a field of cars. And yeah. You know, this was the heyday of a Swigo. Yeah. You know. Yep. No, I was speaking of Romy, we did more promoting of a Swigo Speedway than I think of anybody in that place. We promoted that place from I think um oh geez, had to be nineteen eighty one, eighty two. No, how am I talking about? Nineteen seventy six, seventy five? I don't know how my awards are now seventy six. We would represent a Swigo uh, Speedway and we would call the uh, War Memorial here, or we go to the fairgrounds yeah. with Don Stacy Motorama, or the Rochester Review in Rochester, represent Oakdale Mall, Pencam Mall, you know, uh, just all over the place promote. Matter of fact, Romy at one time, I think it was, I don't know, 81, 82, they rose. He said, what? This is middle of the season. He said, right, we're going to have so and so. Do the promoting this year. I said, that's fine, Rome. I said, I, I did it five or six years for you. It's good to have somebody new in there. And I'm not paying out. That's good. I'm glad for you. Next thing I know, end of January comes, Miller, I get a phone call. Romy Crew, what's going on? Riz, it's nothing. Rome, what's going on with you? And, ah, you know, these guys are supposed to have their car ready. How are you? I said, Rome, I've been ready since January. <laughs> Where do you want me to meet you? <laughs> oh, great, Riz. Just an All right. <laughs> We went. We had a good time with Romy promoting the Swigo Speedway. And in matter of fact, even before that, I was turning around and uh, Donnie Bartlett and myself, we were going to like uh, Hazard Library, speaking to people. We went to Onondaga Road Middle School and talked to a bunch of kids and brought videotapes of the Swigo oh, talking great. about racing and this and that and every other thing. Oh yeah, Donnie used to way before that used to bring. His eight millimeter tapes at the end of the season and show everybody videos of that and we both did the uh, VHS tapes where you know I either had people over or he had people over or go to somebody's house with Swigo's equipment and you know they were mainly uh, racers and stuff wanted to see their cars racing and stuff back then the new era of videotaping cars you know with yeah. sound and color and audio yeah. and all that you know. <laughs> That's awesome. Those were the fun days. Well, yeah, for sure. Enjoy, enjoyed a lot of that. Like I say, you did a lot of promoting for Oswego Speedway. Well, um, I mean, speaking as a fan, we're all thankful for you, and uh, you were among that group in, in that time. Uh, you guys were our heroes. And uh, well, The way I look at it, I ran against the best of the best. I mean, I ran in yep. the heyday of Oswego, and 
there was no better time to race. I mean, I got nothing against these guys today. These guys are today are going ungodly fast. I just wish they had a better car count, and they were, by having a better car count, you're going to get more people in the stands. Yeah, place would prosper. I'm yep. kind of worried about that place failing because you know the cars are just keep falling off and falling off, and it's just it's not good. Well, you know, it, it, Jimmy Champagne talked about it years ago. He says, you know, it snowballs. When the yeah. cars fall off, the fans fall off. When the fans fall off, the track starts can't pay enough money, and everything snowballs itself, and everything. You know, Jimmy talked about this on YouTube. There's a thing about oh, yeah. that. Yep. I don't know if you've ever seen. Oh that. yes. Yeah, we're yep. and Jimmy seen this back. The 80s, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we, we all obviously, those of us who in our our own way and in our own, uh, you know, line of work or our own role within the big picture, you know, trying to, to keep keep making it happen. And it seems like uh, with the new 350 class and, and uh, you know, such, it oh, seems I'm like it's that's a, not going back in the right direction. That's a class that kind of saves yeah. the Swiggle Speedway. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, and I think a lot of us feel that that could certainly be uh, the case if they could, uh, you know, they could keep it well. But but I think the big blocks are doing pretty well for right now, and and it's oh yeah, we've got a few of them up there. We've uh, uh, we have Soul, you know, he has a big block Jimmy D motor. That's what I do in my spare fact. In fact, I just got texted from Jimmy D, and uh, I've got to win Monday and. Uh, Put another motor in the dyno form, and we're going to be running that uh, Friday. Oh, okay. That's what I do in my time now. I'm a, a dyno man. There you what go. You Good for you. Yeah, well, Jimmy D. Speed Machine. There, uh, he uh, built a hell of a 360 and pretty good. Uh, 468 too. I mean, we got uh, Miller's cars with Chris Pearly driving, and uh, you know. Yeah. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, it's, a, we may have a couple of surprises for Swigo. I can't let the cat out of the bag. We may have a couple of surprises for Swigo coming this year. We're, we're hoping that maybe we can get another feature win up there. Back, uh, let's see, was uh, Jimmy's real big in 360 sprint car motors. He's okay. probably one of the best in the business of building 360 sprint car motors. And, you know, people that have dynos, they just dyno motors. Well, we don't dyno motors. We dyno tune motors. There's a big difference there. When Jimmy puts a motor in there, we take sometimes a day, day and a half, could be even two days of dyno in this motor to get the absolute maximum horsepower safely out of these motors. And I don't know if you follow sprint car racing at all, but uh-huh. we have, uh, Jimmy has a ton of motors with, uh, you know, you got Preston, you got Barney, Baron, Wolf. You know, it goes down the line a lot of... The uh, ESS type, uh, ESS, ESS series. Yeah. Uh, URC. It's uh, the whole nine yards. As a matter of fact, we even got a... Baron even has a 410 to run against the big boys now. Oh, nice. Jimmy D motor. Nice. Doing very well. As a matter of fact, he almost won the 410 race at uh, Weedsport. Nice. He had a little bobble at the end of the on the restart, the end of the race, and somebody got by him. And he finished second, and he was he was as happy as he won the race. He made a name for himself against the uh, Tony Stewart's and all the the big big shots up there when they when we ran him at uh, Wheatsport. That's great. A year or so, As a matter of fact, I think it was two years ago at uh, Utica Rome. We had uh, a three car finish. All Jimmy D. Morris first, second, third. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's great. You, so you need a motor. 
Come see Jimmy D. I'm telling you, he, he goes the extra mile, especially when it comes to dyno. And it's just not dyno. It's dyno tuning. There's a big difference about dyno tuning and just dynoing. Well, that's uh, that's great. I mean, that's it's good to see. You know, you, oh, yeah. you that's don't... what I do in my my time. Uh, I get a text from Jimmy, and like I say, I'll be I'll be there Monday and probably get it installed. And I think sometime during the week he'll let me know when we're going to run it, and we'll run it and get the maximum horsepower we can out of it safely and send it out the door. Well, it's great that you're still involved, and uh... yeah, it, it, this has been like. Well, I don't know, three years or so that I've been with Jimmy now, and I enjoy it. You know, it's like like being almost back racing again. You're, sure. you're dealing with high performance motors, and just to hear them run in the dyno is just like music to oh, your ears. You know gosh. what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing like the sound of a super modified for me. And, and or never, a sprint car. Or, yeah, same thing. I'll tell yeah. you what. Yeah. Back in the day, if I had one of Jimmy's 360 motors in my super, been a, we'd be talking about a whole different scenario about how many features we have with one. I want, you know. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it's that, unbelievable how you get so much horsepower out of a 360 cubic inch motor. I was going to say that, you know, back then I don't know, at least, and, it, and I guess I should. I should qualify this by saying, again, back in those days, I was young, so probably I just didn't know anything. But it doesn't seem like there was a whole lot of conversation about big block versus small block back then. People ran oh, both. No. Nowadays, uh, I'm going to tell you, these, these small blocks can put out some right. important parts. Well, yeah. you know, and it's the same thing. We get the big blocks in there. And, you know, we're getting, I can't tell you the numbers, but we're getting some pretty big numbers out of these big blocks. Sure. Yeah. Pretty big numbers. I mean, like. Probably double what I what I had when I ran. This is unbelievable, you know. It is amazing, and it and, and even the um, you know the variety of different. Uh, we didn't talk about the different motor builders necessarily, oh, yeah. but there well, were a ton the way back then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yep. right. I made all the yeah. old par friends, especially Joe Morata, happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why. Uh, I think that's why he talked about Jack Patrick so much in the uh, small block division when, when, when he yeah. was announcing. Well, we had California cars come down one year. I don't remember yep. the year. Yep. Very light small block car, and they were running as quick as a big Oh, box. yeah, for sure. Yep. I don't know if you remember that. I can't I remember do. what year it was where we had a couple cars coming right from California, and yep. they were small block Chevys, and they were fast. Well, Davey, brought, uh, Davey Hamilton brought his hider, I think, and uh, yep. then the one year you had the match race. Uh, yep. Billy Vukovic, the third, oh, uh, yeah. and oh. I forgot who the other one was, and Rebel Jackson come up, and yeah. I'll say yep. one thing. When we ran there, we didn't call it the Steel Palace. It was the home of champions, and by God, it was the home of champions. We had some people racing there that oh, were yeah. big-time champions. Yep. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and I, I think one of the reasons I love doing these interviews on this show is we do have a lot of younger fans, younger drivers, mm-hmm. younger, you know, and they, it's to me, it's education. It's like th- oh, this yeah. was well, the true like history. Say, if you, you want know. to see brute horsepower and speed, yep. the Swigo's the place to go. Yeah, for sure. And just uh, I, It boggles my mind when I'm hearing these cars. I know what it is. I turned my fastest lap ever. At Oswego with my pea shooter of a motorboat and a good handling show car, best I ever turned was seventeen point seven. Yeah, it boggles my mind to hear fourteen twos, fourteen. What are you talking about? Yeah, and you know how I know how quick seventeen seven is. Yep, let alone fourteen yep. twos or fives. My God, 
you know, I mean, just the tires have, have come a long way. Of course, back in my days, they never allowed the aerodynamics they got now. Right. Well, that's true, too. You, you yeah. couldn't have any aero package at all on the cars. Yep. And nowadays, it, it, it's... Well, it's central. Yeah, it's, that's, that's the car now. Yeah, you know, and the tires are better, and you know, I'm sure the mo- and you know, just everything is so not cheap. Racing has never no. been cheap. No, technology made the sport safer, thank God, but it also made it way more costly. Oh uh, yeah, you know. and the faster you go, the more money you're going to spend. Yep. There's no doubt about it. And it was the same way in in, in my day. You know, it, we used to call it cubic inch money. How fast do you want to go? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, you know, it was uh, with the, they were great days, and uh, you, like I said, you certainly were among those that. Uh, uh, well, my Tom, age we tried our hardest every time we went on the track. We went out to win, but I didn't go out the wreck. We drove the car a hundred percent of what the car had. I right. put a hundred and ten percent effort, and you know, every night we put her on the in the bus or put her on the trailer and whatever we got, if it was a fifteenth, a ninth, a tenth, whatever, a third, a fourth, second, almost went and we were happy with whatever it showed up. I mean I was just I was just it's it so uh, that Swigel Speedway was my Indianapolis. Yeah. Well for a lot of I people. There, yeah. I felt like I was driving against yep. the best drivers in the world and I I probably was. Well, yeah. I mean I think certainly there were a number of drivers in that area who could have gone to Indianapolis and been quite successful had they oh, had yeah. the opportunity for sure. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Bentley did. Yeah, sure did. Yep. Yeah. Joe Gosick did. Well <clears throat> yeah, a little later. Yeah, Gosick and Dagaro yeah. and you know, yeah. yeah. I mean we had oh, look at uh Nolan John Cox, I think it was. Yeah, Nolan Gor- Gordon. Gordon John Cox. Right, you know, yeah, there were yeah. Uh, uh, there were a number of them. Sammy Sessions. I mean, the sixties and seventies, there were a number of drivers who used supers as a stepping stone. And I oh, wish yeah, Chuck Sippridge went too. Sure, if you yeah, remember, yeah, right? and that was a, a low buck effort. But yeah, they yeah, it was a they low sure did. Effort. He yep. was the Mike Rizzo of Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Beautiful car, though. <laughs> My gosh, that car looked Chuck good. Chuck was a good man. He, I, uh, yeah, I like Chuck. Sure. Uh, matter of fact, Chuck came up to me. Uh, before he actually got a ride at Swigo and asked me, and he says, geez, Mike, he said, you know, I kind of knew Chuck from doing a little bit of dirt, and he knew me, and we, yeah. we weren't friends at all, but we just knew each other. And he said, geez, is there any rides? Oh, I said, Jesus, I really don't. I, I, as a matter of fact, I think there is. I said, I don't know if you really want to drive the car, but I said, Hermie Graff, I think, is looking for a driver. Chuck went up and talked with Hermie and wound up getting in the car that week and did very well. Yeah. Yep. Very well the following week and did very well after that. And the next thing you know, Ron, uh, Buckner seen him and Buckner scooped him up, yep. put him in the 36 car. Yep. And Chuck was on his way from the there. The rest is history, as they say. Yeah, yeah the rest is history, yep. as they say. Yep. Chuck was a very, I mean, Chuck was aggressive, but Chuck was clean. Yeah. You know, I yeah. raced Chuck hard. Chuck raced me hard. And, you know, we never had, never banged wheels, never brushed wheels. But. When we got along, we're racing, baby brother. We're going to race. Oh, yeah. Yep. No doubt. We're racing. If you don't want to go in that deep, too bad for you. I'm going in that deep. And <laughs> both of us had the same mindset. And, you know, of course, I'm sure a lot of others like Evron and Codium and, and Joya, we're all the same way. You know, we never really had to bang into each other to get by anybody. We just nope. You come alongside, and there it is. You want it, go get it. I'm not going to give it to you. You're going to have to earn it. Yep. That's how it should be. Oh, I got Most of the time, we'd have used people in the grandstand just hooping. You didn't even bother sitting down. You're on your feet all the yeah. time. Yeah, <laughs> I know I was. <laughs> yeah. 
those yep, were yep. the good times. Yep. I, you know, I if I had to do it again, I'd like to go back and do 1980, 81. I bet you would. Again. Yeah, would, with a little more horsepower, right? I got to ask you, because I never got, we, we were talking about your crane trailer, and I never did finish the transition that I wanted to make there, because you went from With a crane bus. to a bus. <laughs> oh, yeah, went right to the bus. Absolutely. How did that and come about? Know, what, whose actually, idea Doug was Everett, that? I nicknamed the bus the magic bus. <laughs> we're going down the throughway one day, heading to Canada or someplace, and this and that, and I hear, hey, magic bus. I go, Magic, what the hell is this, a janitor's son? He goes, yeah. He, he actually dubbed the bus the magic bus. That's funny. That was funny. You know, we jibber-jabber for a while. Next thing you know, he'd be going on by us 80, 90, 100 yeah. mile an hour, heading for, we're heading for Cuba or someplace or whatever. I'll see you when we get there. Next thing you know, they're at the border, and we're pulling up behind them. That's you know? funny. Now, hey, Janitor Sun, what are you doing? We caught you. That's the only way you're going to catch me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dougie was fine. Whose idea, whose idea was the bus? How did that Mine. come about? Mine. Okay. I had flatbed trailers, and everybody had kind of enclosed stuff. And I said, you know, I went and went to the bus company, and I said, well, you know, what do you want for that? Well, you know, it's got a blown motor. And I said, okay, well, you know, what do you want for it? And I, I paid them what they wanted for it, pulled the motor out, and rebuilt the motor, and this and that, went to U-Haul, and you got any damaged ramps or something? Yeah, we got a bunch of them. I said, what do you want for it? Oh, I, I can, I'll take these two and pay them for that. And I said, what about these loading ramps? Can I, oh, I bought a couple of them, and Took all the seats out of the bus and reworked it and put the other ramps in it, and the, the bus worked fine. I said, we had more friends on cold nights and rainy days. I than you bet you it. did. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, everybody thought it was a joke, but, boy, when it became a crappy night and it was rainy and cold, we actually, I made a wood-burning stove out of a 35-pound uh, uh, grease drum, and uh, we actually burned wood in there. When you you the had a wood- running and, uh, you had a wood-burning stove in your bus. Everybody was in there. Wow. Well, we wound up having a lot of friends on crappy days. <laughs> That's amazing. But see, I that... wish I had some more pictures. Michael uh, Stalter, or yeah, Michael Stalter, Michael Sessler wound up finding a, a few pictures that he, I think he posted online of uh, yeah. the bus in the background. Mike is great. There wasn't too His many pictures taken of the, uh, the bus. That's awesome. Yeah, I just, I remember that, and I'm like, how clever is that? You know, turning a school bus into a racing trailer. I got I got a quick one for you. We went sure. to Cuyuga one time. I don't know. What's the, we ran a swig, and we got to Cuyuga about 5 o'clock in the morning. Of course, you know, when you you couldn't see, I cut the back of the bus with a saber saw. Nice and thin cut. You couldn't hinge it in the whole nine yards. We've got three or four drunk Canadians. <laughs> We're outside talking. We say, oh, how do you how do you get this car in and out of the bus? I said, you see this door? I open the door, you know, the emergency door. I open that up. I said, well, you disassemble the car, and then we reassemble it out here. He said, well, how do you put it? I said, well, we disassemble it, and then we reassemble. Oh, that's how you get it in. They, they believe this. <laughs> Drunker in the hood out. <laughs> <laughs> well, Canadians were Canadians are good at many things, and drinking is certainly one of them. Yeah. Yeah, yep. they they do know yep. how to party uh, there in Canada. We used to, I used to like going like we we run Oswego uh, Saturday night and just jump on 104 or whatever and head right for Cuba and race the next day. Sure. The same flip the tires over, run the same tires, you know. Yep, yep. That that and uh, there yeah. again, those that were, was those were money days when we didn't have to buy tires. Just bring our fuel up, ran our own fuel. We buy it off of uh, Murphy. 
and uh, wound up with two paydays in one weekend. That was, that was a good weekend for yeah, us. Yeah, and then, you know, even the days when Oswego and Fulton would run back-to-back, you know, in the 70s. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I went to a few of the Fulton shows. I didn't go, my parents didn't take me to all of them, but I went to a few of them. And, and uh-huh. boy, that I mean, just, it was great to see the Supers on a different track. You know, as a fan, that was fun. And, and oh, there were yeah. people that ran good at Fulton, not so well at Oswego, and I guess oh, probably yeah. vice versa. And, you know, too, uh, you know? That's the same way with me with Star. I went to Star a couple times once with the Salve car. Didn't do too bad. With my new car, I couldn't get that new car around. Never went back. Really? Wow. I couldn't get a, I couldn't get that car around to save my life. <laughs> couldn't figure it out. Spent all day Thursday changing this, changing that. But, and I just found out. A year ago, I'm talking with Jimmy DeLosha Sr. We're having lunch in between doing dino and stuff, and uh, we were talking about Dick Batchelor drove his car. And he wound up having the same problem. Dick comes, what? He said, what do you got for Crossway? Well, come to find out, you ran reverse Crossway, that star. You ran the right side heavy instead of left. I never knew that. Really? I found that out 30 years or 40 years later. Wonder why I couldn't get around that place. No kidding. Yeah, I've never the heard of that. Bachelor laughed and said, "You can't run that crossway like that." And they, they and I think Bachelor wound up finishing second, or maybe even won the, the feature that day with uh, with a Salve car. Oh wow! Yeah, you can't run the left side crossway here. He said, "You got to have it on the right side." I forgot how many pounds he they told me, but no, that's I was always left side heavy, and that's where we ran. All, anywhere was left side heavy. You know, that's very interesting. I, know, didn't, I, I wound never up knew that. Learning something forty years later, <laughs> but too I bad. still won't go back. <laughs> I was going to say, too bad you couldn't get the time machine, isn't it? Oh, that's yeah. funny. That's funny. Well, Mike, uh, yeah. it, it has been a pleasure to uh, sit yes, and talk with you. Yeah, it has been a pleasure. Uh, You're bringing back a lot of a lot of memories. I'm going to have sweet dreams tonight. Well, <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's, uh, <laughs> well, you, you definitely. I mean, again, that that was my, my time. I mean, I I talk about to all the I coach a lot of younger drivers today. I talk to I, them all the know, time about a studio in the seventies. I enjoy and said, "What have I got to talk about?" And here I am rattling away like nobody's business. Well, and, he, and if you we we have been an hour and twenty minutes. So how there you go. How time flies. There you go. Fun. That's for sure. Well, we'll look forward to doing this again at some point and certainly uh, hope to see you at the reunion this year. And uh, Yeah, I think we're going to try to get there. Last couple of years, we've had some dyno motors to do, and the motors were more important than going to the reunion. But it's been about three years since I've been there, and I think I'm going to really put in an effort to probably try to get to the reunion because uh, well, a lot of people are passing. I'd like to see Jamie. I haven't seen Jamie probably in, in four or five years. and like to... You actually give him a hug and say hello. How you doing? You know, and he sounds pretty good on on your on your podcast. So, oh yeah, you know. I think Jamie's doing well, and and uh, yeah. this year will be fun because that's the day that uh, Kempton dates. They're bringing back the uh, track championship winning car to uh, there you go. to pace the field. So um, the yeah. Red Creek Rocket will return on that day, and that's that's go. the best news. Uh, I hadn't had a chance to mention that in this show yet, but I went to see Kemp over uh, the Christmas break when I was up there, and uh, mm-hmm. it was great to spend some time with him and Faye, very gracious people, and, and uh, oh, I yeah. can't so I wait. I guess uh, Jamie does uh, 
do a lot with the uh, Dirt Hall of Fame. I guess he does. Yeah, every week or something. He does. Yeah. Yes, sir. Sure does. Yeah, it's uh, that's why I said it's always great to see uh, you guys still involved in the sport in whatever way that you can be or want to be, and uh, oh, yeah. keeps you going. Well, you know, it's it's tough to find time in the week or a day to, to get things done. Like I said, today I sat down and all of a sudden I checked my iPad and I got a text from Jimmy and said, uh, you know, if I got another one ready when you want, I said, well, I'll be in Monday to put it in and we're going to, whenever I get it in and we both get uh, feel it's a, a halfway decent day, we'll, we'll run it and get her all dialed in. There you go. For somebody to uh, go rock and rolling with. Good deal. Well, again, Mike, thank you for your time, and we look forward to talking to you again down the road here on Inside Group. Okay, Tom, thank you for having me, and I enjoyed having a conversation with you. That was Mike Rizzo. We'll step aside and be back with more of the show in a moment. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of NASCAR, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. The representatives are experts on making your track driving as safe as possible. You have family and friends who care about you, so don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop into HMS Motorsport, visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com, or send them a Facebook message and tell them the folks from Race Chaser Media sent you. Hi, Grandma. Can Nina come over for dinner? Sure. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! If anyone ever does, I want you to say, no, I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. I promise, Grandma. They really do hear you. For tips on what to say, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. Welcome back to Inside Groove as we continue with our first episode of 2020. Brand new decade, I guess, if uh, you want to count the zeros as the decades. But um, looking forward to this, uh, bringing this next interview to you. Tyler Thompson was nice enough to uh, interrupt his shopping at Walmart yesterday for <laughs> for the track to... Uh, uh, for the Jelly Bowl that night to uh, go ahead and talk with me about uh, how he did at the Chili Bowl. And, you know, this is uh, this is a great thing for Oswego Speedway and Supermodifieds in general, this young man going out on Tuesday night and getting a heat win and, uh, you know, looking like he might have a good shot at uh, running up front in the feature, but uh, the throttle cable went bad on him, and he's still going to be in okay shape on saturday which is tomorrow um or today depending on when you're listening to this in the alphabet soup so without further ado let's listen to tyler coming to you live from tulsa oklahoma where he went out on tuesday night on a track they said wasn't exactly right it sure seemed to work well enough for you tyler picked up a heat win in your first time at the chili bowl and i know you had some issues in the feature but man that was an amazing night for you yeah um i honestly didn't know i mean like what to expect uh i heard that they're really really hard to drive but honestly it came pretty easy to me well, that's that's a, a good thing. I mean, almost anything you drive seems to come easy to you, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems like. But uh, talk about what it was like to 
to be out on the track with everybody screaming and hollering and all of that. I mean, what's the atmosphere like there and compared to what you expected? It's uh, It was really, really hectic. There was just a whole lot of people everywhere, and there was, like, cars every which way. I mean, it was it was awesome. Uh, and, I mean, uh, I mean, just to be in the track with everybody out there, because everybody there is just really, really good. I mean, it was honestly uh, probably one of my favorite things to do so far. Well, I can imagine. Okay, so let's talk about the heat race itself. You started sixth. Walk us through yep. the race from from your uh, from from your seat. Well, honestly, I was just gonna go out there and uh, and I mean, just try to make some laps, really. And then uh, on lap uh, one, I was uh, I was actually uh, I think in fourth at the time because I went uh, to the inside, and then I think a guy flipped and stuff like that. So I knew uh, well, I knew um, well. I mean, if I drove hard enough, I might have a shot at. I mean, maybe a top five or something like that. But uh, and then they dropped the the uh, green, and I was up to second um, on lap one. And then I, I'm not really sure what happened uh, to the guy that was leading, but I think like I think maybe his motor or something. Yeah, I think that's he just started getting slower and slower. And then on the last lap, uh, I knew it was my time to shine. <laughs> well, <laughs> shine you did. Talk about that move you made on the last lap there. Well, it was me, him, and then there was, uh, I forgot who it was, but he went to the inside, and I was on the outside, obviously, and I for sure thought that, um, well, I mean, I, well, honestly, well, I thought, um, he was again at the bottom, I for sure thought he was gonna, well, I thought he was gonna pull, like, a, uh, you know, slide job? Called, like a slider. Yeah. I for sure thought he was gonna do that, but I was like, uh, well, it's either I'm gonna wreck this thing, or I'm gonna win this thing, so. <laughs> All I could say is that move reminded me of the move that Richie Evans made way back when he was driving Skip Matzik Super in 1985, mm-hmm. and he went three wide in the heat race to pass Bellinger and Muldoon coming off turn four, coming to the checker, beat him to the line. It was the craziest thing I had ever seen, and that was uh, eerily reminiscent. But you... Um, you definitely made an impression. Now, obviously, the feature didn't go as well as you'd hoped, just from the standpoint you had, what, a throttle issue or something that uh, hampered you in the feature? Uh, yep, I believe it was the uh, throttle cable broke, but, uh, I mean, I was just really out there. Uh, I mean, just really to get some time in the seat. Because the track got, uh, I guess, pretty slick. So, uh, and, I mean, it's hard out there because everybody out there has been doing it. I mean, their whole life or something like that. So, sure. uh, and I mean, my first time in a midget, uh, I was just really out there to get some seat time, really. Well, um, you're you're not in horrible shape for Saturday. I mean, you're in the E main. You could be right, much right. worse, right? Um, yeah. So, you know, all you got to do is just go out and start winning, right? I mean, it's pretty easy, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm going to give it my all, so. Well, we're sure that you will. Uh, you said that you thought it was actually easier to drive than you expected. Yeah, because I tried. Uh, I actually tried it on the iRacing thing, and uh, it, I mean, it was hard on that thing. And then, and then it was like once I got in it, I mean, it was just like a second. I mean, nature to me. So, uh, well, I guess that was good. 
Well, yeah, I'm sure iRacing helped you in some way because you certainly adapted quick enough when you actually got the seat. So it must yeah. have done something good for you. Okay, so I want to, before we let you go, I want to take you back just for a second to the uh, your opening uh, TQ race of mm-hmm. the year. Um, that not such a great night, but uh, talk about how that went. You you It seemed like you just... Wrong place, wrong time, and didn't uh, didn't get the result that you wanted there. Well, I mean, we made speed, but uh, I mean, just no luck, really. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun to run those things, though, right? I mean, I would imagine uh, these first couple races of the year have been great for you. Just get in the car and go have some fun. Not nearly as much pressure as you know, obviously, what you put on yourself in the Super at Oswego. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, okay. So I know you don't uh no you haven't been able to do this chili bowl thing without the help of a lot of people. So I don't want to let you go without giving you a chance to thank them. <laughs> yeah. Um well, obviously uh, uh first I have to thank uh um well, Bob Seymour and his son Matt and I have to thank Jeff West and my dad and just everybody you know, that helped me get here. Well, now uh I know you haven't run Saturday yet, but uh, you had mentioned to me before that uh, maybe the possibility of doing some more of this midgety kind of stuff as you go through the year. Have you guys had any chance to talk about that yet? Um, No, not really, but, I mean, I'd like to because, uh, I mean, honestly, I think a midget uh, – they're just really, really fun to drive, man. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I would uh, would love to see you in that more, and I'm sure everybody else would too. Well, uh, we appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your uh, afternoon to chat with us here as we put uh, the first inside groove of 2020 together and looking forward to seeing what you can do on Saturday um, as you uh, tangle with the alphabet soup. And uh, hopefully the stars will align for you and uh, we can see you in the A-Man on Saturday night. Well, I, I mean, I guess we'll just have to see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll give it your all. All right, Tyler, I appreciate will. it. Uh, I know you're in Walmart shopping, so go get uh, your track supplies for the day and have fun. And we'll, uh, we'll be watching you on Saturday. Oh, I will. Thank you very much. That was Tyler Thompson, and that will bring the proceedings to an end for our first episode of 2020 of the Inside Groove Supermodified podcast. Look forward to a fun season. This will be our first full calendar year, so got a lot planned and just looking forward to getting back in the groove here and moving forward as we uh, close in on the 2020 Supermodified Racing Season. We hope to uh, have more coverage of different Supermodified races as much as we're able to uh, get the information and get the people to talk to. We certainly want to uh, talk with more current and past drivers as well. And uh, we'll get to all of that in due course. Thanks again to everybody who listens so faithfully. And thank you especially to those who take the time to share the show on their wall it is important that you guys do that every week you never know who might see it who missed last week's and uh again the more shares we get the bigger the party gets and that's what uh really is key here we want everybody to be a super modified fan who we can possibly reach out to so for uh our sponsors on this show jns paving skips fish fry and of course our title sponsor 
IPC Indy, Indy Performance Composites, and for our Race Chaser Media sponsors who also help make all of the programming that you're going to see on the brand new Race Chaser website, which is just a couple of weeks away from completion now. Uh, you'll be able to access all of our programming directly from the website once it is up, both live and on demand. Uh, but uh, for our sponsors who make that possible, HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, if you want to check them out on the web, hmsmotorsport.com, mycomputercareer.edu. If you're looking for a change in career, my computer career might just be your answer. It's training for a better life. And also for uh, uh, the good folks at strutmasters.com, the suspension experts, Chip Lofton and his staff have been just great to us as well. So for all of those folks, uh, and for our guests today, Mike Rizzo and Tyler Thompson, and for my co-host, Camden Proud, I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend. God bless. So long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.